support for Defiance comes from Kraken, consistently rated the best and most secure Bitcoin exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy and sell Bitcoin. With 24-7, 365, world-class customer service, you can trust Kraken to support you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Available at kraken.com or via the mobile app, which is available on the Apple and Android app stores. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Where the fuck do we start? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. It's your show. Right. So listen, uh, I think it was about, was it about a year ago we first got in touch? I heard, I think I was listening to Rogan and he talked about some dudes setting the female deadlift record. And Mm -hmm. I was like, got to check this out. And then I realized you're British and I think I messaged you. I think that was the first time we got in touch. Okay. I think we probably had a similarish Twitter following. I think I might have had a few more than you. Mm -hmm, Probably. So I probably threw my weight around a bit. And then (laughs) like a year later, you've blown up. The world's gone fucking mad. And I don't know. How do you take it all in? Man, it's been a it's been a weird eighteen months. I'll tell you that it's been it's been beautiful. It's been good. I mean, I've been working hard. I've been grinding since two thousand and six. I've been working my butt off as a musician, an independent creative entrepreneur. I've been working hard for a long time, and it's been weird because maybe ninety five percent of people who know me now discovered me in the past year and a half. So my audience, my fan base, my supporter base, customer base, everything, as well as my hater base and detractor base have all increased very exponentially and continue to just grow. And it's expanded far beyond the UK now. My audience used to be primarily UK-based. Now it's primarily US-based, which is really interesting and actually something that I've always wanted, but I didn't expect it to come through a deadlift video and then types of social commentary and all the random things I've been doing. But um. Look, my ultimate goal is to have a positive impact and influence on millions of people. And initially, I thought that would just be through my music, but it seems like that's happening through a lot of different things now. So ultimately, it's a blessing for me. It's uh, it's like an iceberg, right? So people will look and think they're, they're going to see the 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 bit above the water that's happened in the last eighteen months, and not seeing all the hard work before. I've had it, like even with the show, people are like, "Oh, you just got lucky." You know, a year and a half ago, they don't realize like I've been working my butt off since I was of 18. Like, yeah. you know, I've always worked hard. That what what was going on? Like, tell me the 2006 to 18 months ago. Like, tell me that bit. Okay. Yeah, sure. So in 2006, I was in university. I was studying computer science at Oxford. Mm-hmm. 2006, I was in my second year. And that was when I released my first album, which was called Commercial Underground. So... I was, so initially when I started rapping, I was just doing it for fun, doing it as a hobby, messing around. One of my good friends at uni uh, named Chris actually had a very basic recording studio in his dorm room. Mm -hmm. So I used to go in there and just rap and record tracks with beats I downloaded off the internet. And um, I used to sort of circulate them around my college and my friends and my family and got a lot of positive feedback. And I started taking it more and more seriously. I started making more songs. Eventually, I started doing live shows in the area and everything like that. And then once I had enough songs put together, I took the sort of eight of the best songs that I had at the time, and I made um, an album called Commercial Underground. I went on and searched on how do I how do I manufacture CDs? How do I do this whole thing? CDs, man. Yeah, man. Um, and initially, I started out with just 50 copies. I remember making 50 copies to begin with, and I sold them all, I think, in about a week. 
uh, primarily to friends, family, you know, people around the uni and stuff. And then I took the money I made from that and I reinvested and I made another couple hundred and I ended up selling 3000 copies in total of that album. You hustled that. I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. Um, and so I started building up a name for myself eventually just locally, primarily in Oxford. I had a USP being the fact that I was a Oxford university student who was also a hip hop artist, which sort of in itself intrigued people, let alone the rest of the, my backstory being, you know, Nigerian, Nigerian parents growing up in Saudi Arabia, going to an American school, having a different accent and a different sound mm-hmm. from every other artist in the UK, etc. And so that was sort of the beginning of Zuby as an artist. I filmed my first music video, Step Into Me, while I was in university. So if you go and watch my very first music video, it's all shot at Oxford University. Nice. And um, I'm wearing the original I'm Down With Zuby Are You t-shirt, which those actually became pretty popular in my uni as well. So I started I started selling the merch back in like 2006, 2007 as well. So that's where the Team Zuby merchandise began. I was uh, born in Reading though, so Oxford is my oh, yeah. rival town. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I know Reading. I've got, got fans in Reading, definitely. I've <laughs> if even, um, oh, we, we'll get to this part of the story. Yeah. But um, so I graduated from Oxford in yep. 2007. I took one year out. Before I graduated, I actually had um, I had a job offer on the table to work for a management consulting firm in London. And I accepted the offer, but I deferred it for one year because mm-hmm. I already had my second album written. And I was like, okay, let me take a year out. I mean, I graduated when I was 20. I graduated pretty young. So I thought, okay, you know what? Let me take a year and let me just do my music stuff for a year. And then I'll move to London and I'll do this full-time job. So in 2008, I released my second album, which was called The Unknown Celebrity. Um, had a couple singles on there called Too Many and the Same Ones, which you know got a, got a little bit of airplay and stuff like that. And um, that's when I just hit the street, started traveling all over the country just going out with my backpack and my headphones and hustling CDs on the street, just talking to absolute strangers, playing them my music, introducing myself to people and just selling my CDs. And I did that. I mean, I did that for a long time, but 2008, that was essentially my full-time job. That's very much a US thing though. You get that a lot, like Venice Beach, Mm. uh, certain parts of New York, Mm -hmm. you'll hit a street. I think it's uh, like Chinatown, you'll get it as well. And but there'll be a group of guys down there. A group, there. yeah. yeah. I, I, I would just do it solo primarily. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I don't accost people in the way that <laughs> yeah. those people tend to. Like I, I'm very uh, personable and amiable in my approach. I don't try to sort of bully people into buying things. I want people to buy it because yeah. they like it. Because I'm trying to make fans. I'm not just trying to sell CDs. And that was a big difference in my approach. As well as the fact that my CDs looked like things you'd see in HMV. It wasn't sort of a hand-scrawled CDR. So I, yeah. I take quality – and appearance and branding very seriously. And I did that from the beginning. So that was something that always helped me to stand out. And so, yeah, in 2000 and where are we now? Yeah, 2000 and- um, It's like 12 years ago. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It really doesn't feel like that. But yeah, I moved to London. I worked um, as a management consultant for three years. I worked for a lot of big companies, including um, you know, the London Stock Exchange, JP Morgan, HSBC, HMRC. I worked at a lot of big organizations doing consulting for them. And then in November 2011, I- Did you enjoy that? It was okay. Did you convince yourself you liked it more than you did? It was okay. As far as normal jobs go, Mm. I'd say it it was decent. It was a good job, but I felt like a lion in a zoo, right? Like I know there's this other thing I really want to do, mm-hmm. 
which I know I'm good at and I'm passionate about, and I've already got a little bit of an audience and I've got some traction. But what happened is both careers started getting to a stage where they were interfering with each other. My music career was holding back my progress in my consulting career, and my consulting career was holding back my progress in my music. So I thought, okay, let me look down the future. Do I want to still be doing this in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Honestly, the answer was no. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get promoted. And then once I tick that box, I'm going to go and become self-employed and see what I can do if I give my music 100%. So November 2011, I left my full-time job and I have been self-employed since then. So approaching nine years now, which again is sort of crazy. And for the next several years, I was just hustling. I was literally just traveling up and down the UK north, south, east, west, touring, doing shows, selling on the street, making fans. I mean, I've met hundreds of thousands of people in the UK, hundreds of thousands. Um, I sold over 25,000 albums just independently, hand-to-hand. So you can imagine how many people you need to talk to to sell 25,000 albums hand-to-hand. But economically, that's probably like selling, what, 10 times that with a label, maybe more? Yeah, probably, from an economic standpoint, sure, yeah. So then the numbers are less, but I was keeping the money that I was making, yeah. which is a big difference with um with a label, you know, you might be lucky to be getting one pound per CD. And then, um yeah, in 2014, the, the street hustle started to dry up a little bit. People started, you know, downloading more and mm. streaming more. So I was like, okay, I need, what's the next thing I need to do? So I started running pop-up shops. So by this stage, I had a pretty big merchandise brand. I had my a range of t-shirts hats, hoodies. Um, I also had Team Zuby headphones at the time, wireless headphones that I was partnered with a headphone company to sell. So alongside my friend Shouto, who's also an independent rapper, we started doing pop-up shops around the country. Um, So the first one we ever did was actually in London at the um, Whiteley's shopping center. And then we uh, started doing them here in Southampton at West Quay. We've done done them at the Oracle in Reading, Mm -hmm. lots of the Intu shopping centers like Derby, Newcastle, Manchester, just traveling, just going out and elevating the hustle essentially. So sort of doing a similar hustle, but rather than just selling the CDs, offering the merchandise as well. So from 2014 to 2018, that was sort of my main bread and butter. Right. Okay. But you didn't Um, do Bedford. No, I never did Bedford. <laughs> did you do uh, Milton Keynes? Yeah, we did do yeah. Milton Keynes. Yeah, into Milton Keynes. That yeah. was that was decent actually. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't bad. Yeah, that wasn't bad at all. So yeah, that was the that was the next thing. So that sort of sustained things for the next four years, and then um, actually at the end of 2018, um, my friend and business partner was he wanted to, he wanted to move away and do some other things. So actually. Here's the actually really interesting part of the story that most people don't know. So beginning of last year, beginning of 2019, I was in a weird state because I didn't know what my next move was going to be. So I'd done the street hustle. Okay, that was come that came to an end. I did the pop-up shop thing for four years. That was sort of coming to an end. Also, logistically, it's very hard to do by yourself. And I so I was thinking of, oh, you know, what are the other things I can do? How can I expand? How can I diversify? How can I reach more people? All of that. And I, the last pop-up shop I did was actually in February 2019. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, – and this was the first one that I ever did totally by myself, uh, which was rough, by the way. Like 
standing there for eight hours by yourself, you know, even is it because you and the other guy used to play off each other and like, have a yeah, thing? there's that. But also just if you, one of you needs a break or needs to eat some food, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You've got someone who can, you know, standing in one place for eight hours, talking to people all day, you need to take breaks. You know, you get tired if there's two people there. Yeah, sure. You bounce off each other, but also you can tag in yeah. and tag out. But that was just tough. Cause it was like, man, this is just, this is just me. If I need a, the bathroom, I need to like get someone to watch the store for me. So no one nicks anything. And it's just complicated. Yeah. And even just setting up and packing up, just doing everything. One, some, some jobs are just designed for two people. You know, imagine try, it's like trying to, trying to carry a table with two people. It's easy, right? With by yourself. It's, Dude, it's raising kids. Yeah, yeah. Raising <laughs> kids on my own. Jesus, it's hard. There's a lot, a lot of things, man. So, um, and so something very serendipitous happened. So, on the 26th of February, 2019, I had just been to the gym and I had opened up the shop. And normally the shop doesn't get busy until around midday. And um, I was just scrolling through Twitter, as I do. And I tweet a lot of random stuff. And I don't necessarily always tweet things thinking like, okay, this thing is going to blow up. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I just kept seeing stories about biological males competing against biological females in sport. Yeah. And I saw a bunch of stories like on my timeline in one day. And then out of curiosity, I just thought, I wonder what the, I wonder what the women's deadlift record is. Like, I'm, I'm good at deadlifting. I wonder what the record is. So I just Googled it on my phone and I was like, oh, I can, I can smash that. And in fact, I had a video on my phone of one of my previous training sessions where I was lifting more than the British women's deadlift record. So on a whim... I, I wrote the 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 tweet that now yeah. became very very famous. <laughs> so on a whim, I was like, "Oh, I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over women in 2019. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying." P.S. I identified as a woman while lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. I tweeted it out there, not not thinking much, right? Some people think I had this huge yeah. elaborate plan and marketing scheme. I just tweeted it out there on a whim, and boom! Very quickly, I realized something was going on. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Yeah, but look, listen, it's yeah. not just that on its own, right? Like yeah. you've done, you've like obviously hustled of course. a long time. Yeah. You put the hard work in, you know what works, what doesn't. All right, that's that's a boost, but everything else behind it is part of that. Like me starting a podcast was on a whim. Mm-hmm. I was in LA and I was with my friend Rich Roll with a podcast. And I was like, oh, you know, I think I want to do one. I'm into this Bitcoin thing. It's like, yeah. oh, get this equipment. And then I messaged my friend Luke, who's in LA. And the next day we recorded. And here we are three years later. Like you, you come off the things of, of a whim, but you still got to put in the hard work before oh, and absolutely. after. Right? Absolutely. It's all like, there's, I don't think anyone really has genuine luck in that way. No. So so firstly, yeah, I tweeted that. And I mean, within I think 10 minutes, it had about 10,000 views. Boom. And <laughs> I, I was like, I was, I was sort of just looking at my phone in awe, like what? What's even going on here? Like I didn't, I didn't know what was happening. Did you first get your first trolls around that time as well? Because it must have trolls and somebody uh, must have been I've, pissed. I've about. been on trolls. I've been sorry. I've been on Twitter since two thousand nine, so I've dealt with stuff on a on a lower level for many years, right? And you know, I have, I've had over ten thousand followers for seven, eight years, right? Okay. So there's always some degree of it, but this thing just. I mean, it blew up. I mean, that that tweet itself, just on Twitter, I mean, it's got almost 3 million views now, 11 million impressions, and it went viral off Twitter as well. So for days, mm-hmm. this thing just so just kept going and growing. I mean, when I tweeted it, I had 19,000 followers, and I was gaining I was gaining 1,000 followers an hour for a few days, right? It, it was it – was, 
it, it was just crazy. Like it, things were just going and growing. Like I couldn't keep up with what was happening. And then, you know, I started getting the next day, BBC were ringing me and the Sunday times and whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, people are like, Oh mate, I just saw you on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Just shot. And it, yeah. it, it was just like a blur, like for a month, this thing, like, it was just so crazy. I started getting pulled in all these directions, pulled into all these conversations, but people rapidly realized that, okay, there's a lot more to, there's a lot more to this guy than the tweet. So I think that's why I was able, as you said, right, all the work that I'd done previously is what allowed me to capitalize on it. And people realized, okay, this isn't just a one-off funny tweet. This guy's actually interesting. He makes music. Oh, he's got a podcast. Oh, he's got some interesting views. He's funny, et cetera. So rather than just the tweet going viral, I was able to go viral and I was able to parlay that into a whole bunch of new opportunities. So I followed you. So this is... 20 21st of march 19 okay so just over a year ago so you messaged me and said appreciate the follow man and i was like i thought i already had uh your fucking video is fire yeah that was it (laughs) that was the start of this man all right well look before we go we've got to do the hip-hop thing because i told you i was in yeah man let's go i was in a hip-hop band okay we did one show okay what was the name of the band the mad cowboys mad cowboys okay me and my friend alex um we did one school band uh, band night so like there was a band night coming up and we just did it for a laugh uh, we wrote three of our own songs and then we did a cover of blase blase uh was it when that. when the east is in the, i'm not gonna wrap it because i said okay middle class and horrible but yeah so so i like my hip-hop right mm-hmm. um but my introduction was like because i'm a metalhead was when the crossover started happening mm-hmm. so there was a big crossover with there was a an album called judgment night where these metal bands and hip hop bands got together. Okay. So it was like Biohazard did a song with Onyx and Helmet did one with House of Pain. So that was my introduction. So I got in very much through Onyx, House of Pain, Cypress Hill. Mm. Um, and then kind of like, I think it, that was post 36 Chambers, but the second Wu Tang album came out, the double one. I can't remember. Forever. Forever, yeah. Have you been watching the series about them? No, I haven't. There's a series. It's, it's, oh, okay. It's amazing. So that was like my introduction to hip hop. Um, but there's not a lot of modern hip hop I like anymore. Fair enough. Like, I'm a big fan of Nas. Mm-hmm. I like Ari the Rugged Man. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, like, uh, like I like Giroud the Damager. Like, okay, that's yeah, yeah. my kind of area. But like mm-hmm. in recent years, more hip hop, hip hop. Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't like all this grime stuff. My son mm. listens to Drill, which the odd, the odd chain is all right. Yeah. But like, what's your, what was your introduction? What's this stuff you're into? I just got to know. What was my introduction to hip hop? Um, a lot of it was actually some of the artists that you just named because okay. I've got two older brothers. Okay. I've got two older brothers. So they were into hip hop well before I was. So when I was a child, they were teenagers. And um, yeah, you know, I used to hear Wu-Tang and Busta Rhymes yeah. and- um, you know, I knew who the RZA and the Jizza were when I was like seven or whatever. So I used to hear that, but I got into it properly when I went to boarding school. Okay. Right. So I was living in Saudi Arabia, but I went to boarding school from the age of 11. So when I was in school over in the UK, um, that's when Eminem started blowing up. Yeah. Right. So I used to listen to like Eminem and Ice Cube, Snoop, Nas, Dre, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And um, it was such a good era, right? It was. Yeah. There was a kind of a, a group group of my friends in school who, we all just kind of got into got into hip hop and yeah that's uh, that's kind of how it started for me and then um more in my mid teens 
yeah, I started listening more to like, yeah, Jay-Z and Nas. And then f- there was the whole 50 Cent era and mm-hmm. the whole, sh- whole Shady Records era. Yeah. Ubi Trice, G-Unit. 50 Cent, G-Unit. And then there was like, um, there, it was, there was the era of like the crews, right? They were just, every, people would blow up and then they'd kind of bring their crew with them. So Nelly blew up and then he had the St. Lunatics, 50 Cent blew up and he had G-Unit. I feel like I'm missing some big ones. Oh, Dipset, Diplomats. Right, like oh, no, Cam- Cameron, uh, Joel Santana, like Jim Jones, all those guys. They had a huge movement. So they were all just, they were just all these like huge hip hop movements going on. I saw G Unit. G Unit. Yeah. yeah, I saw G Unit. It was Lloyd Banks, Fifty Cent. Who was the other guy? Tony Ayo. No, he was in the jail. Game? The game? No, not the game. There was another one. God, oh, I can't remember. He ended up falling out with. 50 cent. I saw them at Wembley. Oh, sick. Yeah, okay. that was pretty good. No, no Yayo was in jail because I had a free Yayo yeah. shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was such a badass. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, Young Buck. Young Buck. Yeah, Young Buck. Yeah, yeah. He played, but I, he, he ended up in jail not long after yeah. that. I can't remember what for. Yeah, rappers need to stop doing that. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't even mention like Rough Riders, DMX Rough Riders. Like, there was just so much dope stuff coming out. Did you get so into much. any of the UK stuff? Yeah, but not until a bit later. Not until a bit later. Yeah, it never felt like there was much money behind it. Mm. Um, who was the one I really liked? He did the song Murder. Oh, uh, Klashnikov. Yeah. yeah. He played Bedford. Okay, cool. He came down to Bedford, and he played with the guys. Oh, I see, I'm so bad with names. The guys, the two guys from Luton, the Jamaican dudes with the dreads. They did the Herbaholics. Ooh. You'll definitely know them. Five Life Cypher. Five Life Cypher, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. So we had similar eras. Cypher, right. yeah. Um, yeah, man. So... I, yeah, and then I yeah I started getting into more UK. The first UK rapper, the first two who I actually really liked were Sway and Kano. Okay, Sway and Kano were the first two, and that was more, really more when I was in university. Kano is he? The, he's he the dude who's in um, Top, 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 Top Boy. Boy? Yeah, yeah. So I first saw him. He was in um. There was a remix of a song by The Streets. Okay, yeah. He was really yes. young looking yes. in it, and it had Lady Sovereign in yep. it. Um. But I never got into that side of things. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I got into the UK hip hop, like the the brain tax and the, okay. but not the more kind of grime side. Yeah. It never never really got me. Yeah. I don't mind a bit of um I don't mind a bit of Stormzy. I saw him at Glass. Yeah, Stormzy's cool, yeah. But I ne- did did you tour in it with any of these? Play with any of these people? Um so I've I've opened up and performed on the same bill as quite a few UK artists, like um who like Akala, Chip, Wiley. Okay. Bournemouth. Yeah, I, I want to say there's a few others that I've performed on the same bill as, and I've I've met a lot of them. I've met a lot of the. What, what do you make artists. of all the drill stuff? Um, like I don't listen to a lot of it. I mean, the odd song here or there, I do, but um, I'm not a fan of the. If you're talking like the I'm gonna I'm gonna shank you kind of stuff, then mm. no, I'm not a fan. But um, in terms of the the beats and the production and some stuff like there are certain tracks i've heard where i'm like oh cool cool like that's dope but if it's just the yeah i'm gonna stab my ops and you know that kind of trash i'm not yeah i'm not a fan i'm not a fan of that sort of negativity um, well, my son so my son listens to it sure. i think it's just because he wants to be a badass yeah of course um, of course and all his friends do and he'll play me and the majority is absolute junk but every yeah. now and again he'll play me a track and yeah. i'm like okay this is pretty good mm-hmm. But I started looking, like, I went on YouTube to, to listen to a bunch of it, and I started seeing this stuff like the wars between them and the threats, and the, the and they had, like, that scoring system. Yeah, it's not I was cool. like, yeah, it's not cool. No. But I also then saw about the censorship, and mm-hmm. I was like, obviously, I don't agree with censorship. Sure. Don't agree with that at all. Um, but they were putting in those um, anti-social orders saying you actually can't go and make these songs right. Yeah. 
And I was like, and my son was like, well, isn't that a good thing? And then I was trying to think back to remember they were trying to censor, like, say, NWA in the US, but that was just a reflection on what was happening. Maybe they weren't you know, fully involved in what was happening in downtown LA, but it was meant to be a reflection of what's happening on the streets. And I was like, well, is this not just a reflection of inner city neighborhoods in London? Like, is there any difference? Well, if it's actually going into a real world, <laughs> if it's someone saying on a track, I'm going to stab you when I see you, and then they actually stab the person when they see them. Yes, also then, fucked up. Right? <laughs> you know, I even, you know, I, I'm like a free speech absolutist, but um, we we still recognize that when it comes to actually making violent threats on people mm. um there that's sort of a, a limit or you know direct calls to violence or threats to violence even most free speech absolutists draw the line there because that's when it becomes criminal so look if it's um if it's a, a rap beef or a hip-hop battle or something and people are hyperbolically metaphorically talking about you know physically harming their opponent or whatever then i think most people can separate the fiction from the reality i think the dangerous thing with the kind of stuff you're talking about there is the fact that, oh, wow, like this is actually, this is reflecting real life too much, right? This, yeah. this is not- Well, this the, is like the, planning. The yeah, yeah, exactly. This, this is like putting the threat to a beat rather, yeah. than, rather than just sort of saying something. What is the answer there? Look, I mean, that's where I feel like the conversation needs to go up a level, right? That's where the conversation needs to go up a level because whether or not stuff should be censored or whatever. I mean, that's one conversation. Generally, like yourself, I'm opposed to censorship mm-hmm. very strongly. But the real question is, I mean, what's going on with these guys? Like, why? what's going on yeah. with all these you – know, what's up with these young teenagers, primarily black? Not just, you know, in the UK, it's a it's a thing, but, you know, worse in the US and certain countries. Like, what's what's going on there that people even are compelled to make and consume that type of – music and engage in that behavior to me that's really the interesting and key question yeah well i interviewed sheldon thomas who works with gangs he's an ex-gang member okay he said the primary problem is the lack of father absolutely absolutely i think it's the biggest problem in society period yeah and do you know it's because i i do want to talk about some of the blm stuff with you as well because like i've got questions Mm. and like i i like i accept the fact that i'm a white guy with questions you're a black guy we're gonna have different perspectives sure I've also had times where I've wanted to say things. I've thought, I don't dare say this, even though I know I'm not being confrontational. Mm-hmm. I've just got a question because I'm worried about people spinning things. Yeah. But following the whole like Black Lives Matters issue, like it's obviously super complex. There's no single binary thing going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, there is racist, although I don't often feel like I meet many racist people, right? Yep. Like none of my friends are racist. I don't tend to meet racist people, but I know they exist, right? Of course. I, I, you know. I know fundamentally the guy who flew the White Lives Matter banner. I know what message he was trying to send. I don't think he was trying to be racist with the message, but I expect racism exists more within his groups of people, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the primary issue isn't racism, it's socioeconomic, Mm -hmm. but the socioeconomic problems can affect white people as much as, well, no, not as much. Mm -hmm. They can affect white people and black people. It just seems to affect black people more mm. and is that because of historically white people have had a leg up in advance right mm-hmm. and there's like a catch-up but you get into this kind of sp- spiral of problems that tend to so look you, you you might have a neighborhood which is predominantly black but the white guys are maybe you have the same problem escaping that mm-hmm. but the problem is socioeconomic not so much racism mm-hmm. but i want to add in that there obviously are racists about. There obviously are racists in the sure. police. I've got a friend in the police force. He was telling me, yes, 
the police force isn't racist, yeah. but there are racists in course, here. Of course, of course. Like, yeah. is that, do you do you think I'm having like a, I feel like that's a rational perspective. It's totally rational. It's totally rational. I don't even know why you're hesitating to say it. Um, <sighs> because I, mean, I, I, I hesitate to say it because I wonder if I'm just not educated enough about historical problems, historical issues. No, no. Um, look, things are multi, one of the biggest problems that we have in conversations now is people try to turn multivariate problems into single variate problems. Yeah. Okay. So people take things that are complicated and which have a hundred different factors to them, all of which have different weightings and influence. And people want to say it's just one thing, right? So if you look at people who are like a lot of the Black Lives Matter people, for example, or people who are, um, this is something that's much more common amongst like more left-leaning people, especially the further left they lean, is that they always want to blame everything on the system and power structures and various isms, okay? Mm -hmm. So they'll just try to boil it down to one thing, right? They want to blame everything on systemic, institutional, structural racism, right? Everything is to do with racism. Everything's to do with sexism. Everything's the patriarchy. And it's like- mm -hmm. Look, there are not many people in the world, regardless of political orientation, who say that racism does not exist or sexism does not exist, let alone them being in favor of it. However, by trying to take this whole problem and say it's just as simple as that one thing, it actually offends me. It actually mm -hmm. angers me because it stops the problem from being solved. Okay, so we've, we've both already acknowledged that fatherhood, lack of fat fathers in, especially in certain communities, is clearly a big problem, right? It's, it's, a, it's a huge problem, right? And it's much more prevalent than certainly any type of direct racism. So by trying to shut that aspect of the conversation out, not only are you being dishonest, but you are exacerbating the problem. You're, it's it's going to keep existing, right? If you have a medical problem and we're already ruling out that you know you get a diagnosis right <laughs> if you if you've got a problem then you we, we need to diagnose it we can't just rule things out and say no it's not that it's just that one thing it's the fact you you're not getting enough sleep that's it that's all that's all so you're not getting enough sleep you know forget all the rest mm -hmm. you're not you know maybe you aren't getting enough sleep right that could be a factor yeah. but there could be loads of other could things could be drinking too much yeah, that, yeah you stress could, yeah. overwork look there, yeah there, i get it yeah there's loads of other things so Socioeconomic, is that a factor? Of course it's a factor, right? Is um are cultural issues a factor? Of course they're a factor. Can racism be a factor? Of course it can be a factor, especially in specific incidents. There are loads there and, and all of these things are multi-layered, right? There's a lot of different things. It's a bit like when people look at the um when people look at any kind of like disparity or or gap, right? People just you you get people who just look at they take all the men in the UK, look at all their salaries calculate an average. They take all the women in the UK, look at all their salaries, calculate an average. They see there's a difference and then they go, aha, this is evidence of sexism. It's like, wait, hang on a minute. Yeah. Hang on a minute. Jordan right? Peterson's great. At yeah. Like, 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 wait, wait a minute. Right. Are we going to just like forget the hundreds of variables that are going on? You, you want to limit it to this mm -hmm. one thing, right? Like there are hundreds of factors that go into that. Like that's such a crude it's such a crude analysis and such a crude diagnosis. And if you think that's the problem, then you could spend all this time, all these years, all these decades trying to fix a problem where even if you fixed it, it wouldn't solve the problem. So for people who think that racism is the problem to everything, right? 
let's say, let, 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 let's do a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. If in the UK, the USA, whichever, whichever, take your pick, if you could 100% eradicate all the racism that exists out of anybody's heart who has any racism, would these problems still exist? I would say a large majority would. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right? I'd say a large majority would. Okay. So even this, um, there's a lot of talk about police brutality right now. Okay. Do you know how many unarmed black people were killed by the police in the USA last year? So I I think I heard the Sam Harris show where he talked about this. Okay. He talked about the numbers. So I can't give you the numbers, but like he he, he was very rational with his okay. argument. He said, here's the numbers. Okay. This is what we have to work with. Okay. So 14. Okay, fourteen, and that, and by the way, being unarmed doesn't mean that it's an unjustified shooting. Yeah, I know, I know what you're right? saying. Okay, fourteen. Do you know how many black people were murdered in the USA last year? Right. This is is this in thousands? About seven thousand five hundred. Yeah. Okay. Of which, about, I believe, over ninety percent were killed by other black people. So, looking at those numbers, if someone wants to tell me that the problem is the cops. The problem is racism. I'm like, bro, look, I, this is, and this is not me saying, look, the cops should never kill someone in an unjustified situation. Mm-hmm. No one, no one disagrees with that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the level of outrage, the level of attention, the level of everything, like the whole Black Lives Matter movement, it doesn't, it's not what it says on the tin, right? I've got my criticisms of the, of the organization very, I, I oppose the organization itself, but even the movement it's like, look, if you're going to call a move, my, my position is like, if you're going to say that, if that's going to be the slogan, let's go all the way with this, mm-hmm. right? Let's go all the way, right? Let's not just keep the focus on, okay, the situations, the extremely rare situations where a white police officer has, happens to kill a black person in bad circumstances. I agree. That should never happen. And it's awful, whether you're talking about uh, you know, the George Floyd situation, which is the, the one that sparked things. Um, the Breonna Taylor situation earlier this year. There have been a few. There was the Eric Garner one, mm-hmm. um, Walter Scott. There have been there have been a few situations, and not limited to black people, by the way. Mm-hmm. The majority of people killed in the U.S. by cops are not black. So, but you can only name the black ones. No, I can name the white ones too. Well, generally speaking, most people can. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I can name them. <laughs> but I forget all their names. Yeah, so yeah, but the, see, the, this this is the thing, right? So it's it, to me, it's like a huge misdiagnosis, and it's a huge confusion of resources. It, it, Outrage being one of those resources, yeah. right? In the past month, black people are getting like- You're going to say mer- Chicago. Not just Chicago, New York, Baltimore, Los Angeles. The the rate in the past five weeks, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the murder rates are have because so many police, because you've now got this whole defund the police thing, mm-hmm. over 500 cops in New York have handed in their resignation notices. Well, I know right? Chicago was having a big Chicago, problem. Good grief. Yeah. Chicago, it's- they have like eight hundred a year, man. Look, I get this, but is there an is there an argument to say there's a, the the black on black crime here mm-hmm. is socioeconomic? So, so the socioeconomic problems exist for a reason. It's not just a coincidence, yeah. And therefore, a lot of the crime happens because of socioeconomic problems. So, is it therefore fair to say, look, we do have a socioeconomic problem here? Mm-hmm which predominantly affects a di- uh, separate races. Therefore, we need to at least look at some kind of solutions for improving the welfare within these 
you know, within yeah. these parts of the community. Look, I'm I'm not I'm not yeah, I'm not interested in taking anything off the table. Yeah. I'm trying to put everything on the table. This is the thing so a lot of people don't understand from my perspective. They think that I'm saying that none of the things that they're talking about exist in any way, shape, or form. I'm not I'm saying no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you look it through if you think that that's the only issue here, then to me that person's not being they're not being honest, right? It's hard to me. It's like, look, you've got that. We've talked about the. We've. You, I mean, if you want to look at so seventy two percent of black children in the U.S. are born to unmarried parents. Okay, seventy two percent. That is tragic. Do we know what the difference is for Hispanic and white? Um, a lot less. Yeah, I think for white it's hovering. I think around twenty percent. Okay, that's right. Vastly and it's different. it's worth knowing that if you go back. Back in the days of slavery, it was illegal for slaves to be married, mm-hmm. and that number was a lot lower. Again, and is this socioeconomic or is there anything cultural here? This happened primarily due to welfare policies that okay. were instituted in the 60s, where the only way that people would be eligible to have them was if there was no man in the house, right? And people don't like to talk about this right, because okay. that was a democratic policy, which was put in. And you can see the spike mm-hmm. that happens. Like That number just starts skyrocketing. And we all know that, look, if a, if a boy doesn't have a father, like whether the parents are married or unmarried, if they don't have the father presence, then there's something like, what, I think 12 times, around 12 times more likely to end up in prison. Okay. Like that's not a mm-hmm. small factor, right? If there's something that you know, okay, there's a 12, if you know something is 12 times more likely to lead to a bad outcome, normally that would be the thing you sort of go to and, and talk about. And we, we know this, right? Even um, President Obama, I remember, talked about this back in sort of 2000, 2008-ish. Um, he was talking about how big a problem this is. So there are a lot of factors. There, there are lots of cultural factors, tons of cultural factors. And that's where I, I'm someone who li- lives in the world of culture mm-hmm. more than I live in the world of politics. And that's stuff that needs to be talked about, right? It needs to be talked about. People can't act like there's no... Like people don't like it because it feels like some people take it very personally and they take it to heart and they think, oh, you're criticizing, you're criticizing black people or you're criticizing black culture or whatever. Right, but it's like, yeah, and it's it's like, no, it's not that. But look, this isn't even a black and white thing. Any community, any culture, like what people think is cool is really important. Mm-hmm. Okay. In any culture or any community where it's cooler to go to prison than it is to go to university, you're gonna have a problem. Any place where it's cooler to have five children from five different women than to be married to one and have children with one, you're going to have problems, right? Any place where it's cooler to sell drugs or stab stab your one of your ops or shoot one of your ops, that's opponents for people who don't know, than it is to like help someone or volunteer, you're going to have problems. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, whatever. What is cool in that community? And what you're saying is basically like when my sons listen to drill music, I'm like, Con, this isn't cool. This is mm. a fucking moronic message. And setting that down with him, yeah. he might think that's cool without me doing it. So mm. if somebody hasn't got a father, they're like exactly. slapping them into shape. They're going down onto the street. They're meeting their buddies and they're all. Especially in the, the teenage years. Yeah. yeah, Your son's what, 16 or something? 16, yeah. Prime age, mm. right? That's the age like when the testosterone starts, you know, yep. 12, 13, the, the puberty kicks in, testosterone starts pumping. And there's certain urges and that's when you know you want to come into your masculinity it's not an accident that gangs primarily recruit boys between the ages of 12 and 18 who don't have fathers that's not by accident and they do this all around the world 
they know that that's the the prime target. Well, right. he he plays basketball. Mm-hmm. He's really because he's tall and unlike me. Mm. Uh, he goes down to the course, plays basketball with mm-hmm. these lads, and he came back uh, yesterday or the day before, and he said, uh, "I had a nightmare, Dad." I was like, "Why? What's up?" And they said, "Oh, they asked me what school I went to." He goes to a he goes to a good school. I sent mm-hmm. him to a good school, seen as a posh school, right? Yeah. And uh, as soon as he told him, he was like, "It just wasn't cool." And it's like, in some ways, like I get it, mm-hmm. I understand why, but like not get it like having a good education having mm-hmm. your parents work hard to provide you with a mm-hmm. good education is not cool yeah and therefore he was embarrassed about that mm-hmm. in a group of people who, who thought that him getting a good education was a bad thing exactly and that and uh, multiply that by millions and millions of yeah. people and that's the situation you're dealing with in certain communities in certain localities and that needs to be addressed right that that can't just be brushed under the carpet that needs to be addressed, right? And you and you can look at other. Look Are you going to make education cool, dude? Math. Man, I'd love to, man. Like, does not rap about math? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and look, look at which which are the communities that are okay. If we're still talking about minorities, yeah. Okay, let's talk about minorities. Which are the minority groups that are truly thriving? Okay, well, Asian groups are. <laughs> Thriving. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's cool in their community? Well, so Asian Asian can be confusing in our country. Of so let's see, let's see, yeah, Indian, Pakistani, uh-huh. Asian, and there's also I think it's more in the US, but like uh, East Asian is mm-hmm. thriving, mm-hmm. and it's all education, high, high, highest earning, yeah, demographic, right? Like and lowest crime demographic. What do they promote? Education. What are the values? What's the culture? Right. What do they think is cool? And you see this across the board. Go to any university. Actually, it's family and education. Yeah. Right? Go to any university in the UK, in the US. Who's like they're having to reject, they're starting to discriminate against Asians because they're doing so well in America, right? Because they're just <laughs> yeah, dominating, know, right? Man. You know, look, look in uh, Jewish communities, etc. It's, it's you can't ignore that culture, even if you're looking within Black people, right? This is one of my big arguments against when people say that start talking about a country like even the, the U.S. and they're just talking about racism, etc. Is one of the highest earning and most educated demographics in the U.S. Black African and Black Caribbean immigrants. Okay. Okay. So Nigerian immigrants, Ghanaian immigrants, Jamaica, crushing it, crushing it, like dominating, like smashing it. Okay. And the, so I, I'm originally Nigerian, mm-hmm. right? That's where my parents are from. And so- Jay culture. Exactly. The, the, the culture and the values yeah. and what is cool is, is different. And so- my argument would be is like, look, I understand there's there's different histories and there's also um, a bit of a bias because people who are likely to immigrate to a country like the US mm-hmm. are going to be people who are you know more high powered and more educated, et cetera. So there's a bit of a bias there. But what I mean is that, look, if the racism, et cetera, as some people think was so crushing in, in the USA, like You'd you'd think, in fact, uh, someone coming over from Nigeria who's got like a, a Nigerian accent is probably more likely to be discriminated against than a Black American who sounds American and has an American name, et cetera. But in as groups, like I, I'm, I'm not. It's funny. I'm not, I'm really not even into like group comparisons. Like mm-hmm. I don't really like that. But what I'm saying is like, look, let's look at let's look at the factors. Let let's see. Okay, whether you're looking at individuals or groups. Let's look at what is making people successful. Okay. So you can see, man, okay, why are why are these Chinese kids, why are these Korean kids crushing it? Like what's what's going what are they doing? Okay, let's look at the let's look at the marriage rates. Let's look at the mm-hmm. family structures. Let's look at how they treat education. 
let's look at how they look at crime. Is crime cool or is it frowned upon, right? Is let's look at the thing. Even you could even go down to like what they're consuming. Like what what is let's look at these factors, right? How come they're how come they're smashing these these like, you know, these Ashkenazi Jews, like they're smashing it. Like why why are they as a group, why are they so successful? What are they doing? Are there things we can take from that? And then you can also see on the on the other side, okay, what what's going on here? What are the cultural values, et cetera, that are going on with certain groups? And th- this, and, and again, it's you know, there's a class factor here as well. And it's it's not people like to talk race, 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 race. I'm like, I'm kind of like trying to get away from that. I'm just talking about like cultures and values and and there's a religious factor. There can be a religious factor um, too. And I'm not religious, sure. right? Uh, I know you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a strong Christian, right? Yeah. Um, I was christened. Um, I was confirmed as well. Okay. Um, and I was an altar boy. Oh, okay. Things, Interesting. Yeah, which I hated. Yeah, maybe that's what put you off. Well, you know, <laughs> I was made to do it until I was like about 15. And yeah. then uh, one day there was a girl who's in the group of my friends mm. whose parents moved her to a new church. And she saw me and I was in my red gown walking mm. around with the cross. And it was devastating. Oh, and no. I just said to my mom, I refused to, I refused oh, no. to do it anymore. I hated it anyway. But, but the point being is I'm just not hugely religious. Sure. Um, but I do recognize that in certain religions, they bring in values or, which are important, mm-hmm. which are important like parental lessons as well in yeah, some absolutely. ways. Um, I think when you take away you know, parents and you take away religion, when you start stripping everything away, yeah. you I think that's where you tend to see some problems. I, I agree 100%. And it's interesting you say that because I'm seeing both publicly and privately a lot of atheists, even st- even some like very staunch ones. I'm starting to, in the last five years especially, I'm seeing them sort of coming around to some of the things that I've actually been saying for a while. Right? Well, the values of some religion. I, exactly. I like some of the values of religion. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Ten Commandments, they're very difficult to argue against. Let's not kill. Let's not mm-hmm. steal. Come on. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of practical. Yet yeah, people, yeah. You know, but I, I think if you kind of, if you if you try and be Christian without actually being religious, mm-hmm. you're going to, I think you're going to live a more honest life and you're going to have better relationships with yeah. people. I have, I have an interesting idea. Yeah. Especially because we're in this pandemic situation, there's an idea I've been sort of thinking about. Non-religion, religion. No, 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 no. Um, I'm cool with religion. The church of Zubi. No, it's. I think that there is. I think religious people in society, especially with modern Western society, Mm -hmm. I think. I think they we offer a degree of herd immunity. Right. Okay. So you know what herd immunity is when it comes to a disease, right? So even if someone is individually an atheist, mm. but they're in a Christian country, shall we say, then those other people and their values and their morals, et cetera, I think grant a degree of herd immunity. And I think if it's, so you have, you have some people who are, you know, not just atheists, but sort of anti-theists who have this idea that if you totally like to make society better and to really progress, we need to like get rid of religion. They think the world would be much better if like nobody believed in God, et cetera. And I think that's totally wrong. I think that's actually totally wrong. And this isn't even an argument for the existence of God or me trying to convert someone to my religion. This is just sort of observation of what's going on, especially in the last few years, right? So much of the stuff that's going on, we've got all, we've got like, 10 different cults going on right now. Right? We, we've got all sorts of like weird stuff going on. Like people just totally detached from reality, finding morality and purpose and meaning in very weird misplaced places. Mm-hmm. And it's got like a religious t- 
tinge to it in like the in a bad way. It's like it's kind of like they're creating a new religion with the bad with like <laughs> like the potentially bad bits, but without without the forgiveness, without well, yeah. the salvation, it's, without the sort of like the positive stuff. It's and, not like you sh- you shouldn't do this. It's like you're not going to do this. Mm. Yeah, it's a com- like a complete. I, I, this herd immunity thing about it's quite interesting. Have you been to, <laughs> have you been to Thailand? No, I haven't. So Thailand's an incredible country in that it's very peaceful. It's a Buddhist country, yeah. right? Mainly Buddhist. Whenever I go there, I feel I've been like three times now. I feel very peaceful, very calm. Um, I I change my whole uh, way I behave. It's mm. really weird. Like if I go out to the US, I go to the with my kids. So yeah. I'll, I'll go to the mall and we'll go to the cinema and we'll go to the beach and I'll feel very kind of American in the way I am. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I go to Thailand, I'll be very relaxed and very calm. So that kind of herd immunity around specific nations mm. certainly exists. And I guess culture of which religion can form part is yeah. one of it. Yeah, definitely. Imagine if I went out to the US now, I'd be really fucking agitated. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's it's not accidental that even if you take a, a British Christian and a British atheist – it's not accidental that they probably actually still agree on like 90% of the most important stuff, right? In terms mm. of ideas around like equality and laws and fairness. And, you know, you said you know, most atheists would abide by not, not all the Ten Commandments because they don't believe in God, but like the, the major ones, et cetera. And, but, and that's, that's, not, that's not necessarily global, mm-hmm. right? The idea that everybody is should be treated equally under the law that's a that's a pretty judeo christian idea right the idea that everyone is equal regardless of your your status your class your your gender your it, like that's not that's not universal and it's not and it's also not obvious it's not obvious that a peasant should have the same rights and be treated the same way under the law etc as a king or someone who's like very rich or very noble. Like, I don't think that's an obvious thing because human beings are unequal. So the idea that we are unequal and we're very different, but still in terms of like your value, we are all equal, whether you're a child, a man, a woman, et cetera. That's quite a radical idea. I'm not sure you and I are equal under the law to Prince Andrew. Are we not? I don't think so. How so? I think is this because we have the weird monarchy thing, but like yeah, I think I think you get away with things if you're royalty a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I think the shame of the nation of having a potential. You know, I'm not yeah, gonna say it, but yeah, Gen- generally, generally, no, speaking, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I know yeah, but it's mean. a pretty, it's a pretty radical idea. Yeah. Um, there, there, there is an exception into that though, sure. like like. I, I, money gives you an advantage under the law in certain, mm-hmm. certainly in civil cases. Like yeah. I'm, I'm in a lawsuit at the moment. Yeah, I'm only able to defend myself because someone's paying my legal fees. Yeah, sure. You, you know about my case, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that is someone there who can abuse the mm-hmm. uh, libel laws in the UK yeah. to outspend me to silence me. Sure. And that is a problem that we have mm-hmm. in the UK. It's a really bad problem. It's made me realize now that money or position gives mm-hmm. you power to silence people. Yeah. So that's one exception we have here, but I, yeah. fundamentally, I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, but I think the fact that it's an exception that is something that we recognize as a problem, yeah. and like a degree that that's close to a degree of corruption. And that's civil not, versus criminal. Yeah, it's not. It's like it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like that. Like it's look, we ha- we have certain ideals, mm. 
right? It doesn't mean that the ideal is always met, but the fact that they're there to begin with and people are at least striving towards them and yeah. society and community and the legal system is striving towards them is is a good thing. But I mean, this this goes to a deeper idea though, which is that, and this is something I've thought about over the last few years, which is that I do believe that, look, there might be exceptions to this as there's exceptions to everything, but I do believe that most people are, I believe, I believe that human beings are religious creatures, mm-hmm. whether, whether or not someone calls themselves religious or not. I think that as animals, as beings, we are religious. When I say that, I mean that there are certain things that we inherently seek, especially as we we get older and we navigate the world. We want to have a clear sense of morality, what is right, what is wrong. We want to have a clear sense of community. We want to have a clear sense of meaning, clear sense of purpose, etc. And religion provides that for billions of people around the world. Now, there are people who can find that in a healthy way without religion. Mm-hmm. I know because I've, I know many of them. Um, but there are also people who, in the absence of it, what fills its place is something that is, in many cases, a lot worse and a lot more dangerous, right? It's not, it's not by accident that if you just look at the 20th century, it's not by accident that all the totalitarian regimes were very anti-religion, mm-hmm. right? That's not by accident mm-hmm. because they know that if they can take that out of that hole – you can put something else in that hole, right? Whether it's Nazism or communism or Stalinism or Maoism, Maoism or yeah. whatever, you can put something in there. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, right now we're dealing with the whole social justice, woke, I don't, intersectional ideology thing, which has become very religious for people, like very religious. You know, there's blasphemy laws around it. Cancel culture is essentially excommunication with no forgiveness, no salvation. Mm-hmm. People are doing rituals. You're seeing people out in the street chanting. They've got their different chants, you know. And it's bizarre to see because I'm like, this is like a very crude. It's 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 like a very crude version of a religious ritual, like a tribal sort of religious ritual. And it's got it's got its own rules. It's got its own language. They speak in a different language. Some of them, like when they say racism, they literally mean something different, right? When they say white supremacy, they literally mean something different to what most people understand. When they're talking certain ways, even a, a lot of their stuff, they say it. And to a normal sort of lay person who's not down with the social justice lingo, you're kind of like, what, do you, what are you talking about? When they're calling words violence, when they're saying that- um, Microaggressions. Know, microaggressions. When they're, yeah. you know, like when they talk about harm and safety and trauma and all, they, they don't mean what most people mean by these things. And it's like a whole new language you have to decipher, but it allows them to identify each other. And, uh, you know, you can go on Twitter and you can see who's a member. You know, they put their, their pronouns in their bio. They use certain hashtags, certain symbols. And I'm like, this is, you know, it's, and it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange. And, um, and it's deeply unforgiving as well. That's the thing, right? That's the problem with the cancel culture thing is one of my biggest problems with cancel culture is I believe in, I believe in forgiveness, right? Like, I don't think that, yeah, people mess up. How do you but, learn? Yeah, like people mess up, but you need to let people back into society. And look, there's certain lines, right? Of there's course, certain lines like, sure, you know, sure. <laughs> like shouldn't should be killing people or yes, like raping agreed. children. Agreed. But, but like you, you, you know, you make mistakes. Made a joke. You make a joke. You make a mistake. Yeah. You say something wrong. You just mm-hmm. want to investigate. I mean, what was that thing with Netflix that happened? The guy who worked for Netflix and he was in a meeting, and 
they were talking about a show, and it may have been a comedian mm. that said the N-word, and he okay. said it in oh, the meeting. Okay, as a quote or something. Yeah, yeah, and he was fired from saying it. Like, I'm even nervous myself yeah. saying it. Yeah. Sat here knowing this is being recorded. Yeah. But the point being is, he wasn't being a racist. No. And he lost his job. I think he said it quoting somebody yeah. or something. And he yeah. lost his job. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's ridiculous. And, and, you know, like people were trying to hold Rogan the other the oh, gosh, week yeah. for something somebody else said on a show mm-hmm. 10 years ago. You had it for saying, okay, dude, mm-hmm. like you got canceled. Mm-hmm. Like I've had people try and cancel me this year four times, wow. four, four occasions. Yeah. Uh, one was coordinated via WhatsApp group. Yeah. No, no, a Telegram group. Like, like it, oh, I made this, it says me mad. It's like, I've made so many mistakes in my past. Of course. Like I have done things I could be easily canceled for because sure. I'm an idiot, right? Yeah. But I just don't see how we progress no. as people. And I don't even understand the agenda of people trying to cancel people. Like, what, are, what, do, what do you do? Do you get home and you think, yes, I won? Yeah, they do. It's a game. It's a game. It's like headhunting, right? And the bigger head you can get, if you can get like a celebrity scalp, then that's even, that's even better. That's, that's what it is. It's a very weird, tribal, aggressive mentality. And it's also fear because those people know that, I call it the circular firing squad, right? They know mm-hmm. that nobody is woke enough. Right, they're always going to be outflanked yeah. by someone who is a bit woker than them. So that's, this is what's happening to J.K. Rowling, right? J.K. Rowling's yeah. been pretty woke, yeah. Right, but she's still she's not woke enough. So she got outflanked, and now they're coming for her. It doesn't matter if you. The more you try to appease the mob, you more the more you embolden them. The she's, more they you go can't along with J.K. No, no, no. Like, well, she's a billionaire, so she's she's fortunate. But it's it's crazy, you know. And you're you're dealing with. They're, they're like piranhas, you know? It's like you can't reason with a group of piranhas and tell them not to eat you. You just got to not swim in those waters. As they scream in your fucking face. Yeah, you just, just, ah! don't, just don't swim in those waters. But um, yeah, and, and I think that's uh, – and I can't help but notice that, like, of course, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, remotely most non-believers participate in that. But it's actually really hard to find, like, a religious person who's into this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. That whole, like, SGW, whoa, cats, like – no, like it's not, they're kind of like outside of it. It's, uh, or even like with lots of this gender ideology stuff and just mm-hmm. all of this, all these strange things that are, that are going on. And it's, um, yeah, I don't know. Like you, you just see patterns over time. Like I've been sort of observing this phenomenon for several years now and been sort of asking questions and seeing patterns and thinking, Hmm, what's, what's going on here and what's driving it, et cetera. And I have sort of settled on the idea that it's, uh, form of secular religion which has not gone through any kind of enlightenment so it's like okay. you know <laughs> yeah no I, I'm, yeah, I'm, just, you know, I'm just processing that yeah yeah so it, so look if you go back if you go back historically especially like most religions have gone through like a brutal phase mm-hmm. right i'm not going to sit here and pretend that no evil or horrible stuff has ever been done supposedly in the name of christianity it's of been course. done in the name of islam like any any big religion has dark aspects to its history, just like any country or any group of people or whatever has dark elements to its history. But things change, people progress, et cetera. You tend to find like mm-hmm. a okay, we found the <laughs> we've got the balance now. We've got we've got the happy medium and um we, we we've kind of got it. But with this movement, the reason why I think it's like freaking so many people out is because it's like there's no chill, right? There's, there's no chill. It's like it's there's like no com- fucking chill. yeah. It's like comply or or die, and it's you're with us or you're against us, right? So I'm yeah. not 
but like how, like I, I look at it all and i'm like what it how, how do we get out of this because it's yeah. i'm just looking everything's going fucking mad uh, yeah. i didn't vote in the uk election the last one i'm looking at the us which i've got a bet on okay and yeah. i'm like how do you choose yeah I, I one of the saddest things is the woke culture has essentially turned a lot of liberal people mm. conservative in a way that they've had to pick a side i think yeah. It's good in society. Like, I know I'm surrounded by libertarians and they believe in no state and no government. But sure. while we have it, I think it's always good to have a strong center mm-hmm. uh, left and a strong center right to, mm-hmm. to work against each other, mm-hmm. you know, to just to, to bring together a cohesive society. Yeah. But the left is so radical and crazy yeah. right now. It's so lost its way yeah. that it's, that it's in some ways, the right has had, had to go even more right. Mm. So I, I found myself in this position last year. I went home for Christmas with my brother and my dad, and I started defending Trump. I mean, my, my <laughs> brother's uh, a socialist. Okay. You know, my dad is a conservative, but he cannot stand Trump. Yeah. It, it was a row. It was a family yeah. row. Yeah. I was defending him because, because I, I myself found – found that I dislike the left so much. But then I realized I actually don't even like Trump as well. As well. I, yeah. I, I just don't like any of them. Yeah, sure. No, I understand that. And, we, and, and, and I'm like, where, how do we come back from this? That's a, that's a great question. And before I answer that question, I've, I've just had a thought. And so here's an, I'm sharing some thoughts that I've been sort of brewing in my brain, okay, my but haven't articulated. Exclusive. And here, here's a thought, which is that as societies do progress – Here's a thought, like I've literally never heard anyone really articulate this, but maybe given where the UK currently is, where the modern, most of the modern West currently is, like the role of, I don't like the terms the left and the right, but the role of the left mm-hmm. is maybe it's less necessary than it used to be. Because look, we're living in the first, this is the first time. Mm-hmm. In history, like the last seven, eight years, where everybody is equal under the law, right? If you go back just decades, mm-hmm. let alone centuries, there was always a group of people mm-hmm. who was genuinely marginalized, genuinely mistreated under law, mm-hmm. right? Women can't do X. Yeah. Black people can't do Y. Yeah. Jewish people can't do that, right? This has always happened. The If you think about it, the very last barrier- was gay marriage. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That was the very last one. So, and and this, I don't think it's accidental that once that barrier fell is when the left started going crazy. Well, so we still need the left in Uganda. Yeah. Like, look, there are, there, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there are other, yeah. con- there are other countries where the role of, let's just call it liberalism yeah. is much more obvious. Okay. It's so much do, more do you- obvious, but in the UK now, it's like in the UK, in the US, it's like, Okay, you've been fighting all the, for decades. You've been fighting battles, right? There've been you know mm-hmm. civil rights, women's rights, suffrage, gay rights. There was always a clear battle. Right now, they don't even know what they're doing. That's like they right. look at the whole trans thing. So you basically right? saying, well, I, so look, okay. I, I believe in. I actually believe in trans rights in terms of you so does everybody have the freedom to. So does right. everybody, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm with, but I'm with you on the sport thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like I'm with you that like you know a biological male shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Playing cricket against yeah. biological, I wouldn't want my daughter in a race against a biological male because it's yeah. just unfair. Totally fair. Yeah. And I understand that's that. But, that, somebody but might that, feel, that's that's now called a conservative position. I, I know. This is I what know, I mean. I <laughs> but and I understand somebody yeah. might feel like, oh, well, that's discriminatory. But it's yeah. like, well, look, yeah. 
I'm I'm sorry. That's how you choose to live. Like that. That's yeah, yeah. difficult. For you. There's lots of people. Like there's a kid. There's a kid in the wheelchair. There's like everyone. There's lots of people have different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yours is that you're not born in the body you want to be born mm-hmm. in. I'm sorry about that. But mm-hmm. like we have biological differences in sport yeah. for a reason. And you can still compete, just yeah. not against yeah the biological um, women. So so I think what I, I what you're getting at is like there are no real battles left. Mm-hmm. So we have to find new battles. People so we making... have to fight for reparations, which we know economically just do not make a great, a, a, a good it's, idea. It's a tricky one. Or, or yeah. we have to we have to fight for people are fighting for th- uh, problems which don't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are fighting invisible dragons. But it, but if so you, it, but if you, which means the left has gone really woke. But then yeah. if you don't need the left anymore, do you have a risk at undoing certain things? Well, I don't think that. The, so even if you look at if you look at more of the right, if you look at conservatives, there's not a lot of stuff that people want to like roll back, right? The, the average, the, there was a time where, and when I say when I say conservative and when I'm saying liberal, I'm not talking about political parties. I'm talking about conserv- conservative meaning like conserving the status quo and liberal meaning like, you know, changing it, let's say, or, you know, progressive maybe better, like changing it. And so if you go back, like if I, if you dropped me into the 1970s, or the 1950s, or perhaps even the 1990s, there was at least like a clear, okay, not we're not just talking about like feelings and microaggressions and like you know words that people are using, et cetera. Right there, okay, this this group is being mistreated. Mm-hmm. This group is not equal under the law. They're not being treated. They're being discriminated against in housing, mm-hmm. in getting bank loans, in you know, not being able to do this, not being able to do that, et cetera. This is a cause we need to fight, like yeah. within within the country. Right? Yeah, you're right. If we're talking on a global level, there's plenty of liberalism is is, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things that, that that could be done. But in the UK, it's like this is what I mean. It's like I think it's so good right now for the first time ever. And people haven't really realized that yet. So people are still like, I mean, look at the two fucking privileged. Yeah. Like if you look at most of the protests and things that are going like if you in the US, you know, they have those the women's march. Yes. What are they marching for? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> neither do they. Right. Neither, neither do they. If you ask them, they'll say we want women's equality. And you're like, OK, so specifically. And they're like, you know, they don't they don't there's no. That that made sense in the forties. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I never know like the historical yeah. thing. So, so for example, okay. like when I said to you when I turned up, like, ah, uh, like none of my friends are racist. Mm-hmm. I might have. That's not actually. That's not completely true. Still, people will make an odd joke here or there, yeah. right? That exists, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't even mean they're racist, though. To be no, and and, but, and yeah. the same. Like, I, I think they probably don't see any difference doing that. Like taking the piss out of me for being sure, sure. half Irish or fat or whatever, yeah. right? But what I'm saying is, I don't experience racism mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. in any form of discrimination i don't okay. feel like anyone looks at my skin color, sure. right i feel i can do whatever i want in life sure i will get the odd email or dm where someone's like you're a fucking moron your show's shit stop doing it yeah. give up delete your account right mm-hmm. i know it's different from you mm-hmm. because i know the email you got this morning right? yeah just just do you want to say no it was just a bunch of the it was the n-word repeated about 500 times yeah and a bit more than that yeah. as well okay i don't get stuff like that sure how often do you get something like that well, with me in my position, I get it um, several times a week. Okay. And do you know who I get it from? Who? Primarily, firstly, other black people. Okay, interesting. Secondly, the white people are 95% left-leaning. 
Interesting. It's not from the. It's so not. It's not from those right wing conservatives who people might, <laughs> right. might think it would be. It's just it's, because it's, you're like you're not following the the narrative, therefore you're exactly. Racist, I'm, yeah. I'm stepping. I'm stepping okay. out of the line. So but you, but that racial epithets come out. But you're still getting it. Yeah. Right? Sure. Okay. So. And even before then, even before the, the status changed, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've experienced racism. Very rarely, I'll be honest with you. Oh, okay. Very rarely. But you have. It's different. It's different for different people. Yeah, but you've it's experienced different for different it. people. But yeah. Do you feel like? Do you feel like people look at you and see a black man? Do you feel like that? And do you feel um, like there is maybe but the other? Thing, but there is a slight difference in that mm. you know you've had a good upbringing. Right? I have. I have. Yeah, and perhaps maybe. If the socioeconomic situation is slightly different, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is, I I haven't had any of this in 41 years, yeah, sure. so it doesn't exist for sure. me. Therefore, I sh- when I see a women's march, rather than like analyze why are they marching and mm-hmm. saying you you haven't got, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I sure. don't know if I feel threatened in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Like for example, when I used to work in advertising, mm-hmm. right. There's like an old boys club are doing deals, right? We'll meet down the bar, yeah, yeah. we'll have a meal, we'll get drunk, and we did a deal, right? Yeah. Whenever I would do business relationship with women, we wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You just didn't. Mm-hmm. It, it would be a professional yeah. meeting, structured follow-up. And I felt that was I felt women are at a disadvantage in that situation mm-hmm. just because of the way men and women are. Mm-hmm. So even when they're having the march, even though if I don't know what they're marching for, yeah. is it just a bit of an identity? Is it just a bit of come on, sisters? Maybe let's so. Go, let's go and march. Look, they're, they're allowed to. It's their right. I'm yeah. not. I'm not saying that people can march for whatever whatever they want as long yeah. as it's within the law. Like I don't need to support. I'll always support their right to do it. Yeah. Whether or not I support the cause or even think that the cause is valid is a is a different thing. Yeah. But um. Again, like, like if you look to the past, if you look to marches, protests, demonstrations, et cetera, in the past, the goal was always clear, right? Okay. The goal, the goal was yeah. always clear, right? Yeah. It was like we are marching, we are protesting X, and this is it. Everyone's sign is about X, right? You don't look at the signs people are holding, and this one's talking about Trump, and this one, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. one's talking about, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, the wage gap, and this one is just got a sign saying, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm frustrated. And this one here is talking about like. <laughs> tampon taxes or you, you know what i mean like <laughs> no i get it I get you, what you, you see what i mean so look, i will never ever ever and have never made this case that racism sexism homophobia discrimination etc do not exist but they are at an all-time low yeah globally historically they're at an all-time low so I, do you think people are trying to make it seem like there's a bigger problem than of course them? they are yeah and that's for their own yeah and and goals. and and they even have to change definitions to make that the case yeah let, let me i'll tell you what in the past 3 years and maybe this is the case for you have you ever heard the term white supremacy as much as you have in the last 3 years that's very true uh, it's, it's pretty much since trump came in right w- w- my whole life like when you heard about white supremacy it was when you're looking back and you're studying like the kkk or you're looking at you're looking at decades back of this idiot. Okay, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, in fairness to us, we're both people, like we're talking a lot about America. We both do a lot of work in America. As I mm-hmm. said, my work in America is about three years old. So mm-hmm. me, I, I think I might have a bias because of that. Okay. And then historically before that, I might have watched American yeah. History X and saw about it uh-huh. and, and studied growing up. Yeah. There might be a bias in there because we are so US focused. Yeah, but, but, I do agree. It's probably gone up. My point is they've changed the definition. Okay. So the bar for what they call white supremacy has come way down. White supremacy means the proper definition of white supremacy or any kind of racial supremacy means that you believe that inherently, genetically, 
your race slash ethnicity is superior, yeah. right? You are the ubermensch, right? You believe that just by dint of being white, you are superior. Black people are inferior. Asian people are inferior, et cetera. That's what it means. Well, I know, I know now, stood next to you, Jim. <laughs> and like genetically, I'm, I'm <laughs> But n- now they're using it just to mean, like they're just throwing it around. Like yeah. They're putting on everything like ketchup, right? Yeah. They're saying that this is white supremacy. This is white. And they're just using it to say something just has like, you know, there's a company and 80% of the people are male and they call that white supremacy or sorry, are white and they call that white supremacy. No, I there's, get where you're going. You know, you're watching TV or advertising or whatever and there's a lot of white people and you're in a white majority country and they call that white supremacy. It's like, that's not white supremacy. That's like, like you've just, you've totally changed the definition now. Just like they're trying to change the definition of racist, right? Just like they're trying to change the definition of all of these things. And it's like, look, this is not, again, it's, it's people trying to slay trying to slay invisible dragons. The demand for racism is far higher, higher than the supply. Right? Why, look, at all these hate, look at all these hate crime hoaxes. What? People, are, yeah. people are having to fake hate crimes. Right? It, now it's getting to the stage where I hear about these supposed hate crimes and I'm like, okay, let's give this one a week. Yeah. And lo and behold, okay, no, it wasn't actually real. They're, just in the past month, there have been multiple ones. There was the, uh, the, the guy who was it, Bubba, Bubba, yeah, Bubba the Wallace. Race yeah. The, uh, just last week, there was the one of this high, university student who said that people put the things on his car and it turned out he put them there himself. Um, and it's like fake race. The, the, yeah. the, the demand for racism it's is higher than the, the supply. supply. Yeah. Well, there's a quote. It is. It, it really is. And it's, and it's, and, and this again, I'm not, <laughs> real racism exists. And look, here's another thing that's kind of unfortunate is that that two parts. Number one, human beings are naturally tribal. Yeah. So in certain circumstances, and we also have eyes, and so in certain circumstances, there is always going to be some degree of racism, sexism, all kinds of discrimination and prejudice, et cetera. You can minimize it. Mm -hmm. I do not believe you can get rid of it. I'm not a utopian, right? I don't believe that you can totally get rid of it. And it's worth bearing in mind that it it exists within supposed races as well. Okay, I'm from Nigeria. Uh-huh. Okay, the division between certain tribes in Nigeria and the hostility between certain groups in Nigeria is much bigger and much more dangerous than any kind of black white racism in the UK or mm-hmm. USA. And this is within the same nation. Okay, you see the same thing. Look what's going on in China. Right, you have the Han Chinese majority population. You have mm-hmm. the the Uyghur population. Yep. We're seeing what's going on there. You remember the Rwandan genocide? Yes, of course. Yeah, hundreds Tutsis. of thousands of Tutsis murdered by to an outsider, they look the same. You can't even you if you see a Hutu and a Tutsi, a Rwandan, you know, you probably just think uh, African guy. Like, mm. but so the idea that so th- these ideas, these tribal mentalities, are just wired into human beings, and most of the time, it doesn't manifest in any sort of negative or violent way, it can manifest in very positive ways, right? You know, kinship, uh, family bonds, you know, just feeling some sort of allegiance, even, even on a national level, right? You know, I'm British, you're British. There's mm-hmm. some kind of, there's some kind of, you know, if Britain are playing America in some sport, right? You know, we might both be like, yeah, go Britain, right? Yeah, there's, fuck you, yeah, <laughs> you know, and then you were USA, USA, right? So, yeah, so yeah. there's a tribalism and it doesn't have to be negative, but because of it, because it just exists, there are certain things that you can't, just like you can't get rid of crime, right? You yeah. can't totally get rid of crime. You can minimize it. You can do mm-hmm. your best to set everything up as well, but human beings are flawed. So there's always going to be some degree of it. And the best you can get is never going to be 
perfection. And I don't think people, people don't really like to hear that, but it's sort of, it's, it's, it's the truth. And another part is that in my personal opinion, one of the best ways to move beyond all of this is actually just to stop, stop dwelling on it so much. I think the more you dwell on race and the more you dwell on me being black and you being white and this person being this and this person being that, right? Every time someone uses the term black, white, Asian, etc., unnecessarily, I believe you are actually keeping racism on life support. Okay. That's an idea. So every time the media- Are you ever a hypocrite then? Am I ever a hypocrite? Yeah. I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm a hypocrite on many things. Because you, you sometimes, I'm, I don't mean this as an attack, but I no, mean, go ahead. like your place as an opinion leader, you can't, you, you have to sometimes have an opinion. Yes, you, Therefore, mm-hmm. you know, you can put out a tweet, 10,000 mm-hmm. likes, mm-hmm. Uh, and you definitely do the, the counter race, similar to Candace Owens does at times. Um, and you do that, but therefore, I guess you're trying to move it forward, which do you move it forward by talking about it more or do you move it forward it's, by ignoring it's, it? It's, it's a tough it's a, one. It's, it's a tricky one. Look, I think, so if I, if I, when I talk about it, so if I, if I mention race, I mention it, I mention it when it's necessary to make the point, Yeah. when it adds something to the point. And also I'm aware that because other people are having the conversation and this is the language they understand and they speak in, look, I'm, I would be happy to never use the term black or white in terms of human beings, Uh I'd be quite happy to never use it again. But because this is the world we live in and this is where people currently are, I believe in meeting people where they are. And this is how people speak. This is how some people see the world, et cetera. So if I'm going to communicate with them and I'm going to make certain points, I have to use these terms, Mm -hmm. right? In in Zubi Utopia, these terms wouldn't even be a thing, right? Black would relate to the color of our t-shirts and would relate, you know, because neither of, you know what's funny? I'm not actually black. Right. Am I the same color as your shirt? No. No. Right. Are you the same color as your, that notepad? No. Right. Nobody's actually white. Nobody's actually black. So (laughs) the fact we even use these terms is quite, is quite amusing. Um, We're all shades of the same color. Yeah. And it's, and it's the least, it's the least interesting thing about people. Like if you think of like people, it's crazy when you think about it. People you like, people you dislike, it's like, can you imagine if like, we did this with height or hair color. Well, it's like dogs. Eye color. Do dogs not play with an, another dog just because no. it's... No, they don't give a fuck. No. Well, like, kids don't. Kids don't care. No, kids don't care. Kids don't care. Like, you you know, and it doesn't mean we don't have... Like I said, we have eyes. Like, we, you can see what people look yeah. like. And it's. I think it's cool that people look different. And it's interesting. And yeah. it's, it's cool. It's like, oh, wow, awesome. You know, we're not just drones who all look exactly the same. I think that's cool. But to, like, fight over it or to... It's, it's, it's both why I think... Racism is really dumb, (laughs) but I also think that a lot of the sort of woke stuff is really dumb because it's like you're doing the same thing just in a different way. I don't, that's why I don't like the idea of white privilege. I don't like the idea of like, you know, white guilt or like just putting this thing on this group of people or like the idea all black people are oppressed or what. I'm just like, it just perpetuates. Dude, I brought my feelings and these narratives and- I was going to sort your shoes out while I was here. <laughs> I was going to clean them all up. Yeah. yeah, but like, how do we get past all this? Because yeah. you, you watch it all, and then you can join the conversation. But mm. how do we just get away from it all? Yeah. I mean, I know in my mind it's that. The, I think politics is the problem. Because sure. politics needs division. It does. It does. To create power. Yeah. Uh, the power structures are, uh, and and 
my only my only thing I can do, mm. I'm going to bring it back to the original point of my show, really. Yeah. I think there's two things I can do. I'm a, I can abstain from the vote, which a mm-hmm. lot of people get annoyed about. Mm-hmm. But I abstain from the vote because I don't want to be part of it. Yeah. And I, I, I try and abstain slowly from the financial system with Bitcoin. Yeah. They're, the, they're the two things I feel like I can do because mm. everything I've learned about the uh, the way politics works is that I need to not be part of it. Mm. And if I do want to be part of it, I want to have local politics. Gotcha. I want smaller communities. Yeah. I want to care what's happening in my community. And I want them to have autonomy. And also, it's, it's the, the, the corruption of finance within the structures. And I know I've got to get away from it. That's, that's the only two things I think can get us to a better place right now. Yeah. I don't feel like talking gets us anywhere because everyone is talking. Yeah. We've never had so much talking. So much talking. Yeah. It's like it's nonstop. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking to are each other. Are we talking or are we communicating though? That's a big quite a big difference. We're communicating. Yeah, we're communicating. But yeah. in general, I think, yeah, people are talking, but they're not listening. Well, I had an idea for Twitter as well. Do you know this? Um, you know, um, have you seen this Clubhouse thing? I've heard of it. Yeah, it's like this app where you just group of people go and have a conversation. Okay. I thought, you know what would, would be a great addition to Twitter? Someone should just build an app. When two people get into an argument, mm-hmm. it should go, they should turn that into a, a voice conversation. Mm. Just go, do you want to talk? And I think if that became a voice conversation, you would make progress. That's interesting. Yeah. Because nobody gives ground. Yeah. No. You can give I mean, look, you and I are similar in certain ways. So we agree in things. And like if I disagreed, I felt like we could rationally get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I so, I don't know. I sometimes wonder, does Twitter make everything worse? It it does in because of the way people use it. You know, most all of these things to me they're they're neutral, right? They're just tools. Mm. Things are just tools. And we also have to remember how new it all is, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? We've only been we don't know what we're not you're not meant to be I'm not meant to be able to communicate with hundreds of thousands of people from a device in my pocket. It's dope. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool I can do it, but that is not remotely close to normal. And you have to remember like human beings, we're the same beings. We have not evolved. Like technology's gotten better, but we we are the exact same people our grandparents were. Mm-hmm. We're the exact same people, right? We have not progressed. Like te- the technology's just changed. And we're used to What's that number of the amount of people who like you're sort of supposed to be able to Dunbar's number? Oh, it's 150. Yeah, 150. Right. That's how yeah. many people you're supposed to know. Yeah. <laughs> you knew 300,000. That's how many people you're yeah. supposed to know. Yeah. So 300,000 millions. Like that's not supposed to be the case. Things that used to be just local or personal can now go viral, and now thousands, millions of people are seeing them. You remember the other day? You know, a couple of weeks ago, there was that big uh, hubbub over the that woman who confronted the black guy in the park central park in america and she was saying she was she called the cops and was saying there's a oh, I'm, there's, there's a an african american yes here. yes okay the Karen. okay right 20 years ago that would have been a conflict between two people that you uh-huh. know it was unfortunate it was silly i think it was bad but we wouldn't have an opinion on it uh-huh. because it wouldn't have reached us over here in England. Like, why do we even know that that happened? Yeah. That's crazy, right? Look at what cancel culture is doing, right? You can people are digging up things that someone said ten years ago, dude. I'm so which, worried, man. And it's like that's not that's so. I don't think people grasp how unnatural that is. Like you, that's that's so something. new. Yeah, go ahead. I thought of putting a uh, I thought of putting a page up on my website that's called "Cancel Me" and just listing all the bad shit oh, I've done <laughs> and just owning it. Like, yeah, like owning it. Like, yeah. Like I sold weed at uni, yeah, right. And publicly, I mean, I sold weed at uni, like to get free weed for me, right? Yeah. 
Like, I would hate that to come out at some point. There's other shit. There's so many things. I think if I just do a list, right, I was a drug addict, I used to sell weed, <laughs> yeah. I'm divorced. <laughs> like here it all is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking cancel me if you're not going to cancel me it's all out I yeah, thought yeah. of doing that yeah. maybe we should not, do, it's not a bad idea cancel wiki we all put our shit up mm-hmm. there sometimes I also think look there's like that's what, that's what Obama did remember before he ran for when he, he was he running for president he, he admitted he did coke oh did he yeah did a, did a little bit of blow yeah he uh, yeah. I didn't know that yeah he admitted it he admitted it right <laughs> oh, but Rob. then his opponents couldn't then dig that up and be oh Mr clean obama did you know that this guy used to do cocaine but he admitted it himself so it took it took the wings took the wind out the sails right it's the eight mile final it's battle eight mile thing. yeah exactly eight mile final yeah. battle that's it yeah. just give them everything right now yeah. just from yeah. you can't that's do it. it like that's it all right man well listen look you've had like an amazing 18 months where do you like when you look 18 months ahead what where do you see yourself like going? I'm just interested in like you. Do you want to focus on the music or do you just want to be like everything? Yeah, it's a great question, man. Um, and it's something that I'm sort of struggling with myself Simple, a little bit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I used to just be a musician. You know, I used to be able to just say, yeah, I'm a rapper. I'm an independent rapper. That's what I am. And now it's like, you know, rapper, podcaster, author, entrepreneur, coach. Like I do a public speaker. I do a whole bunch of things. Um, that's the hustler in you though it's the hustler yeah it's also that I'm, I like I'm interested in so many things and I'd like to think I'm good at a lot of things yeah. like, I'm not just kind of I just do that one thing what I want to do like I said with me it's about the audience the impact and the and the influence right I want to be a force for good I think mm-hmm. I am um you know my haters would disagree but I think I'm a, a force for good in a Someone described me yesterday as what did they say? I, I really like they they tweeted it at me. They said like uh, I've I've had two that I really like. One person said that I'm a I'm a needle in a room full of balloons. <laughs> but then another something like that. And then another person said um something like uh oh, what is it? Like a boat of calm in a sea of negativity or something like some something along those lines. Something in a sea. Yeah. Of, something in a sea of negativity. And um, well, what I would say, I like, I would say, what I've noticed, the consistent message is personal responsibility. Absolutely, yeah. that's it. It's personal, Absolutely. like, and which is very libertarian in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's also positivity, you know, yeah. and on and honesty and authenticity. Those are things that I've I've always stood by from from my in my music. If you listen from the beginning, that's what it's always been mm-hmm. promoting. I haven't really shifted on that in that regard. It's just the medium has expanded and the audience has grown, and I've gotten a bit better at honing my message and getting things through more clearly. And I aim to keep getting better at that in every respect, and just keep improving and keep growing my audience. And I just want to help a lot. Of, I want to help as many people as I can, mm-hmm. directly and indirectly. Um, yeah, just earlier today, someone sent me a before and after photo of one of my fans in Saudi Arabia, and he's like gotten pretty ripped, right? Like nice. during this lockdown, like it'd be before photo, you're just unimpressive, but then after photo, he's looking like really lean. And he said, Yeah, man, like this is from that must like fun. mean a lot. It does, yeah. it does. So, whether it's that or someone saying, You know, there was just this one thing you said in your video or your podcast or whatever, or in your one of your songs that affected me this way. I had received two letters yesterday, sorry, two letters last year from people who I helped them get through their cancer. 
right? Like message from people who I got diagnosed with cancer in February and your music and your podcast and whatever, and just your general positivity has helped me get through it. And I've got the all clear now. So stuff like that. I'm like, man, a lot of people ask me how I deal with the negativity and how I deal with people sending me crap or trolling me or whatever. I'm like, dude, like if you see some of the positive stuff I've received, mm. then I'm like, man, look, if I've helped someone get through cancer, like there's nothing, no hater can say anything to me after that. I'm well, like, I was saying know. to you before, I'm like, I mean, I, I mean, I don't get what you get, but I, I mean, I get some hate. Like, sure. And actually the worse it is, the less it bothers me. Like, yeah. like if I, I am, if somebody, like somebody said to me once, it was like, <laughs> I hope you get cancer and die like your mother, like Ouch. actually yeah. said those words. And sure. I was just like, like people who saw it were a bit shocked. I was like, it yeah. just didn't really bother me. Yeah. Like, because you don't know. It doesn't mom. say anything about you. Well, and they don't know my mum. She's an no. amazing woman. It's Why a, would you want to bring that? Just, it, just fuck it, it says, it literally says nothing about you. It says everything about that person who told it, said that. Yeah. But dude, when someone says, message me and they're like, look, I've tried to listen to a few of your shows. It's just not my thing. That I find that devastating. Cause yeah. that's like, fuck my craft. Yeah. It's a, like, it's a fair objective criticism sure. of my craft. And that makes me want to be a better person. But that's, but that's good. Yeah. That's good. That's that's good. Well, in, in stuff like that, that's when I, I mean, I got my first one-star book review last week, right? So I had 68 five-star reviews. Someone dropped me a one-star review. Yeah, but that's probably and someone who hasn't read it. No, he, he bought it. He bought it. He read it. Did he? He oh, bought right. it and he read it and I emailed him, Okay. Right? I didn't get angry. I emailed him. I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, uh, when, I didn't say I'm sorry. I've got nothing. I said, oh, I noticed you gave me a one-star review, which is very rare. It's a shame you didn't like the book, but can you tell me? what made you make that decision? And it basically turned out that he was someone who was like probably too advanced for the book okay. and he's read loads of books. So he was like, oh, I didn't get anything new from it. I was expecting to but get that something new. that doesn't make new. the book bad. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. But, and then he was actually quite apologetic. I think he himself was a bit like, uh, Did he leave a comment in that? He did, but it was quite short. He was His comment was about it not being worth the money, right? And so he himself was like, Cause I also refunded the money. Cause I was like, look, okay. I don't, I said, I don't, I don't want you. If you didn't find any value in it, I don't actually want your money. Okay. So I, I've refunded it. And he, he was actually, cause I think he was someone who actually likes, likes me and likes what I do. So you could tell he was his response. He was actually kind of apologetic. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he himself realized like, Oh, actually I probably shouldn't have one started. Maybe I should have just like, you know, emailed him and said that whatever you, you see what I mean. Yeah, I do, but yeah. by having that conversation, there was that clarity and it's like, okay, he didn't actually think the book was crap. It's just that it wasn't for him because he's already, he already knew the stuff in it. Yeah. But someone yeah. like me who doesn't, <laughs> who literally had never heard of, was it a calorie deficit? Yeah. Never crossed my mind. Yeah. That was something new to me. I learned yeah. that yeah, from yeah. your book, right? Yeah. So it's all, I guess it's appropriate for audience, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, but I got that clarity. So that's the thing. And you know, there's the, that's the difference between. Because uh, I've been asked this, especially as a musician, what's the difference between hate and criticism, right? And I think that it, it's where it comes from, right? Like criticism comes generally from a place of good or a place of care, yeah. and you can do something with it. Hate comes from a place of negativity, envy, jealousy, and there's nothing. There's nothing to do with it. That 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 thing that guy that first person said about your mother mm. or about you. There's nothing you can you can, you can't take anything on board and go, oh okay maybe I'll make this change or that change. It's like no, that person is just and, being and, a venomous, and, awful person. And we're never going to be able to talk about it and, yeah. and get to a position where yeah, it's like, actually, do you know, like, yeah, yeah there's yeah, nothing. Yeah. The the second one that's criticism. Yeah, because you can say, 
oh, how do you think I can improve the podcast? And exactly. they might be like, oh, you know what? Um, maybe I, I find the episodes a bit too long. I prefer shorter pot. You know, you can take that on board. You can dismiss it or whatever. But it's like, okay, that was- I can work with that. Yeah, that's fair criticism. If someone tells me, yeah, you know, if someone just tells me, you suck, you should stop it rapping. That's hate, right? If someone says- That'll yeah. be a bitch. <laughs> if someone says, oh, I don't really like your lyrics, be- I don't really like your songs because I prefer like singing on the chorus and it's not, there's not, it's not melodic enough for me. It's like, okay, I don't need to take that on board, but- it's I get like, it. Yeah, I get it, right? Or someone might be like, yeah, it's- I've had people, their criticism is that- I'm not like street enough, you know, it's not like, ugh, it's not, it's not aggressive enough for them. And it's like, okay, I'm not that kind of artist. Well, yeah. And you know, you've, you've got, these aren't mean streets here. No, no. You know, you've got, <laughs> there's plenty of artists for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were talking about drill lately. Yeah. It's like, if that's what you want, like, I'm not going to start making that because that's not me. But, but like, create. if you're doing something creative, you can't make something for everyone. No, you can't. You can't. It's impossible. No, you can't. Creative is about taste. Yes. And even as a human being, you, yeah. you, 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 you know, one of the things that one of the most liberating moments for me was when I fully, fully, fully just not just understood, but accepted that not everybody's going to like me. Like once I really accepted that, actually, that's when things started taking off a lot more for me mm-hmm. because I, I sort of implicitly knew that for a long period, but I wanted people to. Right, it was like mm, I don't. But I'll, does that mean like in like in a Twitter environment, you end up spending more time engaging with the haters than the positive people because mm-hmm. you feel like you wanted to defend yourself, but yeah. you're wasting time. And you also second guess. So if you're yeah. if you're a musician and it's like oh like I want I want this crowd to like me, I want that crowd because even within a, even within a genre, like we were saying, even within hip hop, there's a lot of different types of hip hop, uh-huh. and there's a lot of hip hop audiences. There isn't just one hip hop audience, right? The grime fans are not the same as the underground lyrical rap hip-hop fans who are not the same as the drill fans who are not the same as the sort of yeah or or like the sort of very melodic sort of new age rap singing stuff like that's a whole different audience or the parisian french (laughs) yeah yeah there's all exactly there's oh wow yeah there's crossovers yeah but um it's all different things just like coldplay fans are not the same as metallica fans no, Cold, Coldplay as- fans are fucking morons. Let's just, <laughs> let's, just, let's just put that there now. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, the Coldplay is... <laughs> fuck, fuck Coldplay. Yeah, you know, people <laughs> pe- people call it all rock. People call Coldplay it all rock. Not rock. But, well, people call it rock. Yeah, they're rock. But- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not having that a Coldplay you know? rock. I'm a rocker. Yeah. I just Coldplay are just... Coldplay are in their own category of one. <laughs> they're over there, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all different. So it's like, look, you know, I've got my... There's a certain percentage of people who, if they hear my message and what I do, they'll like it. There's a, the majority will probably be apathetic, you know, just kind of like, meh. Mm-hmm. And then there's a tiny percent who will just like really strongly oppose it. And in fact, by embracing this, it's also helped me because I don't care if I polarize, right? There are some people I don't want to like me. It's actually gotten to that stage. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want certain people to like me, right? So I actually will put stuff out there. Like to let them know, like, this is not for you, right? I don't want you to listen to my music. I don't want you here. Like, I don't, you don't even want you to follow me on Twitter. I unfollow people from my account all the time. Like, I don't want you here, right? So it's, <laughs> so <laughs> once you're, once you kind of accept that and it's like, okay, by getting this group of people to really, really love me, then if this group really, really hates me, then that, that's not, then that's fine. And, and it's not, and when I say groups, I'm talking about, with me, it's about mentality. 
Yeah. Like the thing that the thing that unites my yeah, the thing that unites my followers and my fans and my supporters is like you said, I talk about personal responsibility. Personal, yeah. So I would say that if there's a common theme amongst my supporters, it's people who generally embrace or are trying to embrace the idea of self-improvement, positivity, authenticity, personal responsibility, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And this includes some people who don't even listen to my music, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dope, that's cool. And then the people who always want to like whine and complain and hate and be envious, whatever, I'm like, those are the people I call losers, right? I'm like, no, I don't want losers here, right? You know, mm. you don't need to be, you don't need to be like winning at life in terms of your bank account or your career or whatever, but I want people who at least want to improve. Like if you're not even on board with that and you just want to complain on Twitter all day and whine about whether it's politics or it's this or it's that person or whatever, it's like, look, I don't have, I don't have time for you. But that's people who aren't willing to put the work into their own life. Yeah. They just aren't. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and when they see other shit yeah. and they're like, I want that, but I mm-hmm. can't be bothered to put the fucking yeah. work in. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can convert, you, you can convert those people if they at least have the self-awareness to recognize that they're not all they could be, right? Because then they might, I've had people who, I've even had people who, so one of some of the best DMs I've received are from people who like actually didn't like me when they started following me, but they just did sort of out of curiosity. And then over time, they're like, yeah, actually, like you've actually sort of helped to change my, my thinking in that. I've had that quite a lot of times, actually. So someone will follow me thinking, oh, especially if they see one of my tweets that's a bit more sort of like trolly or satirical or something, yeah. and, and they kind of get the idea like, okay, this guy's just kind of a, you know, like quite shallow, just, if someone just saw the deadlift tweet, you know, they might just think, okay, this guy's just like an internet troll yeah, yeah, yeah. or he's a practical joker or whatever, but then they keep following and it's like, oh, okay, this guy's, you know, maybe I don't agree with him on everything, but he's he's making me think about stuff. No, you've definitely made things, me rethink it. Yeah, because there's like I I'm a I can be a bit of a moaner at times, and I like also I like to troll and yeah. and and also like my I started out as like very liberal socialist as a kid, right? Mm. So and some of that's still in me. Sure, there is still some of that in me, and I don't know what it is, but just that kind of like that kind of like you know where socialism comes from, kindness, right? Yes, sort of. Misguided, <laughs> yeah. not for everyone. I know what you mean, yeah, but, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah. as a kid, you're like, oh, everyone should. Everyone have this should, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not right that there's mm-hmm. only, but all that shit. Some of that's still in me, yeah. right? And I've read some of your stuff, and you've made me rethink things, rethink certain views. Definitely on the personal responsibility. Mm. Like you know, I've never been in good shape. Like once when I got married, that was yeah. that's literally it for about <laughs> six months. Like. And then, you know, and I look through this and I, you've definitely made me rethink stuff like that. That's so, interesting. Yeah. No. Any, any particular thing? I'm curious. So, God, I'd have to go back to them. Uh, during the BLM protests, you definitely made me think. I was, okay. You made me rethink some of Candace Owens' tweets. Okay. So when she first started being very counter the race narrative, mm. I thought she was a fucking moron, some okay. of the stuff. And then, and maybe it's because I don't know, and I thought maybe she was doing it for attention. Mm. And then you were tweeting, I was like, well, I know this guy, so I'd give it a bit more time. And some of the things you were saying, I wouldn't say the same, but mm-hmm. similar, re-challenging ideas. Yeah. And that made me go back and then reread some of hers. I was like, actually, do you know what? I think I've been a bit harsh here. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So that's the most recent example I can okay, think no, of. Okay, no, that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, no, I like, 
And and the the thing with Twitter is it's funny because um people say it's a, it's sort of a common saying on Twitter that you can't change people's minds on Twitter, but that's actually totally untrue. Did you see my tweet the other uh, day where I was like uh, oh yes, I did yeah, actually. It was the, 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 the yeah. change my mind thing. Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Yes, I did. I think I responded to it. Yeah. But yeah, you can. But actually, the minds you tend to change are not necessarily like the person who you. Like, if you're arguing with someone on Twitter, you don't normally change the mind of the person you're arguing with. But the people who see it and who are like, because most people are quite passive, right? Most people mm. just look. They're not. They see it, but they don't respond. They're not commenting, etc. But they see it and they're like. Oh, okay. Actually, oh, that's made me think about that a bit differently, or oh, I never thought of it that way, or that's a different angle, or whatever. And I, I, I like to, I like to consider things from different angles myself, and I also like to encourage other people too. And a lot of what I do in terms of social commentary or cultural commentary or whatever is I try to talk about what I don't think is being talked about. So. Like you, like you said earlier. So sometimes people are like, "Man, Zuby, how come you you don't talk about you don't talk more about some aspects of like historical racism, or you don't talk about um, this aspect of it?" And, and it's like there's already millions yeah. of people who are talking about that. There aren't a lot of people who are talking about the the personal agency and responsibility angle. There aren't a lot of people talking about the hmm. There's a problem in this community. What about the fathers? What's going on with fathers and families, et cetera? There aren't, there aren't a lot of people talking about that. There aren't a lot of – so in these conversations, I like to try to round it out, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that – again, it's not that I am totally dismissive of everyone else's opinions. It's like, okay, no, like we're hearing you loud and clear. There's a lot of that. But what about this? Like can we talk about this as well? Like this is a piece of the puzzle. I'm trying to put the whole puzzle together which is why it's important to um have genuine like genuine diversity of thought and opinion and different people because if you're trying to get to the bottom of a problem it's normal like i said before we're kind of like rounding it out mm. it's it's not normally one thing right it's not normally just like okay it's just that it's like oh no okay that's a factor and then this person here is like oh have you guys thought about this this person here is like oh but what about that or well what about this idea and you know maybe not all of the ideas are valid but you put them all on the table and then you can see, okay, maybe this one is 70% of the problem. Mm. Maybe this one's 5%. Maybe this one is 4%. But if you take the issue that's 4% and you make it seem like it's 100%, then you're yeah, never, you're never going to fix the problem. Yeah. You know, you're never going to fix the problem. Well, listen, look, I've taken up a lot of your time. I cannot leave you with asking you a little bit about Bitcoin. Yeah, let's that go. is my world, right? Yeah, and I go. saw your jumper when I turned up. <laughs> I don't know if that was coincidence when you were doing that for me, but I saw it. So listen, I've been trying to talk to more people recently who aren't in like directly in the Bitcoin thing. Yeah, I know yeah. you are a little bit. And um but uh just it's really useful for me to see how people externally see the world of Bitcoin. Mm. Because like I piss a lot of Bitcoiners off, right? Because in some ways I kind of I kind of counterculture the Bitcoin space a bit. Okay. You know, I'm I'm not a full libertarian, right? I do have these remnants of believing in parts of the state. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had this conversation with this guy earlier who's about uh, libertarianism, and I said about, well, one of the gr- benefits that we have from the state is that we have uh, equal access to facilities for disabled people, and I think that's a good thing. And he went on to explain why it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then I went and watched the, which if you haven't seen it, uh, the Crip Camp documentary on Netflix, which is amazing about the 
campaign for civil rights for disabled people okay. right so so that's just an example mm-hmm. example and like i'm not full libertarian um, i think bitcoin is quite hard to use and i put challenging things out there and i really piss people off mm-hmm. some of the big big, well, a lot of big, <laughs> big, big bitcoiners have blocked me but my yeah. show does really fucking well so yeah. i know i'm people are interested and, and i always want to learn i always want to find out where the blind spots are i think bitcoin is an important technology i'm not sure if we will have a bitcoin based world but i do think it's an important technology and i find it much more useful to come and talk to someone like yourself and say tell me how you see this as opposed to talking to somebody in bitcoin saying how do you see because they already they've already mapped out they want rid of the government they think bitcoin can replace everything they think a bitcoin standard will solve all the problems of the world Mm -hmm. i'm not saying they're not right but they they've got their vision nailed yeah like if they're right why are we not there what like what's the trajectory what are we missing Mm -hmm. so you as somebody who's yeah you're exposed to bitcoin you know what it is I assume you you own it. You've certainly been sponsored by companies. How do you see it? Like, mm. what, what does it even mean to you? Yeah. Wow. Well, I see Bitcoin as. Oh, wow. It's a broad question. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. It's the. I mean, it's a it's a first of many things. It's the first truly universal decentralized currency mm-hmm. or maybe not even currency maybe thing yeah um it's the first time that you've had anything that exists digitally that is not replicable infinitely which is i mean that's one of the most interesting things to explain to people who don't get bitcoin because they're mm-hmm. just like well if it's digital you can just copy and paste it and make copies of it and the yeah. uh, the fact that it's limited so it's not just the first time that that's digital, but it's actually the first time that you've got that. And it's not just a digital thing, but it's also a form of money. It's a form of currency. We all know with the modern banking system, mm-hmm. you can just print money. There's no limit to dollars. There's no limit to pounds. We know what happens with inflation, et cetera. So you've also got that. And then you've also got a deflationary currency. And you've also got something that is essentially unhackable. Again, when we think of computers and we think of technology, everything can be hacked. But hacking Bitcoin, um, as anyone in the space knows, is it hasn't happened, and it's virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one it's it's a very fascinating technology and idea in that sense. But then, from a practical standpoint, I think that there's a lot of power in that. And interestingly, I think that there's a lot of power in it, regardless of someone's political or ideological position. I think the libertarian case for Bitcoin is pretty obvious. I think that there's even a more sort of like liberal socialist, like you use you, you use the word socialist. I think there's even a more of a for people who are seeking for a more equitable society um and getting certain tools into the hands of people not just in their country but on a global level who do not have access to banks and certain technologies and certain financial instruments, et cetera, or people who work abroad, a lot of the money that gets exchanged around the world, I don't know the number, but a lot of it is remittances, right? Mm -hmm. So people who work in different countries and then they send back money to people home. And you've got things like, um, was it Western Union 
And the way it's, you know, these companies might take 10%, 15%, et cetera. So the fact that I can send money to a cousin in Nigeria and I can do that without a middleman and I can do it with very low transaction fees, et cetera, no currency conversion, that is new. That's all new. And I think that's a very powerful technology. So I think that whether someone comes from it from the idea of, I want a more equitable world and I want everyone to have access to money and banking and financial instruments and to be able to do trade overseas across borders, et cetera. Bitcoin is a great case for that. For someone who's literally on almost the opposite side of the spectrum and is like, I want to, you know, get, a, and, and also people on that side are also very, tend to be anti the banking system, right? Mm-hmm. So as a way to withdraw from that, almost as a, as a counter move, as a protest move, there's the case there. And then from the libertarian perspective, there's that aspect. But then there's also the personal responsibility, like owning your own thing, you know, don't trust verify, you know, like I don't trust, you don't trust the government. You don't know. They might just inflate the currency. We've had this whole pandemic. US just printed $6 trillion, right? Someone who wants to just thinks that whole thing is just, you know, crazy and unsustainable and they don't trust the governments and the state and all that. Then also there's a very clear case for Bitcoin or for someone who wants to, uh, from an investment perspective, who wants to potentially increase their own net worth. There's a very clear case for Bitcoin, et cetera. So I think what's interesting about it is there are different cases and angles you can look at it from. So it's not just like a lot of people talk from the libertarian end, Mm -hmm. but I think actually, regardless of someone's position, there's probably a way you can promote and sell the concept to Mm -hmm. them. I agree. That will will make sense. And I think that's quite unique. And then also in terms of function, um, we talked about, you know, the ability to send money overseas without middlemen and lower fees. But um, also as a savings vehicle, um, I think Bitcoin is very powerful in that regard. I don't know if it's going to be, I know on the extreme end, you have people who think the whole world will be hyper-Bitcoinized and (laughs) everything is going to use Bitcoin and it'll be the only currency and there'll be no more fiat. I think that's a bit utopian. I don't think it'll go that far. But in terms of what people call the sort of digital gold aspect, in terms of having a digital version of gold, of something that can't be inflated and is easy to store and easy with gold gold is not exactly super practical to to use and i think gold will always have value but in terms of filling in that space i think bitcoin has a lot of power and potential and it really it's a matter of adoption and people you know the more and more people who become like yourself or yeah. like myself who decide actually i want to check out of this to some degree or i want to hedge out of it, the more and more people who do that, um, then that's where Bitcoin will really get get a chance to shine. And from a technological adoption perspective, I mean, I'm 33, so I did see the email adoption happen. I did see internet, sort of broadly speaking, adoption happen. You must have been about six, five or six-ish, because I was about 14, Mm. and I'm... Eight years, yeah, eight years yeah. older than you, yeah, yeah. So, like, I've seen these, I've seen these waves yeah. of adoption happen. I remember when people thought email was pointless. I remember when people thought mobile phones were pointless, yeah. right? So, I saw the mobile phone curve, and then there was the smartphone cur- adoption. That was another one. Social media, yeah, right. I, I've, I'm one of the first users of Facebook, right? I've, was, I've been on Facebook since 2004. Wow. Right? I was on Facebook when nobody knew what it was. Yeah. When you had to be, 
because uh, I was I went to Oxford, yeah. which was one of the which was the first university in the UK. UK that yeah, it, it opened it to right. So I was on Facebook when Facebook was, and I remember people being like, "What's the point of this thing? Like, what's the point? Like, I don't know, no one, right? So yeah, the way it. people talk about Bitcoin now is the same way people talked about email addresses, the internet, smartphone. Like, what's the point? It's slow. Yeah. It's clunky. No one, no one else is using it. There's so when I hear all of that, I'm like. Okay, I've heard this enough times in my life now. I need to get in. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've heard this enough times in my life to see that that can change pretty quickly. Like we forget that, dude, the iPhone was invented in 2006. The iPhone, the smartphones themselves are only 14 years old. Yeah. And look at the world now. Like everybody has a smartphone. Have like you seen this, the light phone? The light phone. So I put this phone it's 300 dollars, 300 pound okay it's called the light phone it's a basic smartphone so it takes everything out it's black okay. and white you've got an alarm a phone text i think you can uber with okay. it and i think they're adding spotify but there's no games no apps no twitter mm-hmm. so you can just switch off 300 pounds though that's a bit yeah of ask. It, it was yeah it was a dumb <laughs> move yeah the pricing's off but. so i've had it for since the start of the lockdown, it's in this fucking box. The idea yeah. was to get it, to use it on the weekend when I'm a kid. So yeah. I'm not suddenly looking at my phone yeah, yeah, or Twitter. Yeah. You know the yeah, I, know, I know the I know the cycle. Yeah, but I've got to, I've yet to do it. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I have seen it. I didn't know it was priced so high though. I think if I think if it was priced lower, I think it would be a I think it would be a like, I've I've thought many times of buying a dumb phone. Yeah. Right? Like a I don't know, 3310 or something just to yeah, we'll see, man. have a zap. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But look, okay, so you get it. You, yeah. you're, you're in. You're invested in. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, you're interested. Um, how do we, how do, and people say there isn't a Bitcoin community. I mean, yeah. there's clearly a group of people into Bitcoin. How do they look externally? Like, mm. do you feel external to it or you feel part of it? Do you? I feel like I'm on the, I feel like I'm on the edge of a lot of worlds. Yeah. Like, like how does it look to you? Because I, tell you what I worry about is mm. like, I'll see a tweet by someone who'll mention Bitcoin. So I'll go into, and there's all the all the Bitcoiners have piled in and having their opinions. And I'm just like, oh fuck. Yeah. Do we look like a rabid, crazy bunch? Not not to me. Okay. Maybe to a to a complete outsider. But I think that that's the again, that's the case with everything. Right. Right? Like the first internet people were would have been just like geeks and <laughs> we, we, you know, just like weird people yeah. who are like, you know, what's this, what's this internet thing? Like, what are you, what are you even doing? Yeah. Right. The first people who are interested in any, in any real technology, it's always going to be the, you know, the geeks for lack of a better word. I don't even use that in a derogatory sense, right? I consider myself a geek to a degree. I'm a computer science graduate. So it's always going to be those first people, but then things get mainstreamed and it, it happens, things can happen really quickly, right? An idea can go from something that's very fringe to being very popular and then to being indispensable really quickly. And I think smartphones are a great example mm. of that because, you know, smartphones and social media, we now live in a world where like if the, if smartphones and social media disappeared tomorrow, a lot of people, including businesses into like, like you, that's like pulling the rug out from under people. Mm. It's like, whoa, what, how do I do like me? Right. I promote my music. I saw my, go like, wait, what am I, what wow. I can't, how, I can't reach these people. Like, what do you mean? Right. So the world has adapted to get so used to it. There was a time not so long ago. If you just go back to the year two, 2003, then 
you know, like the world was built without, sure, we were used to the internet Mm -hmm. by then, but social media, social networking, all that stuff, it wasn't a thing. There was no such thing as a YouTuber. Nope. There was no such thing as music streaming. Nope. There was no such thing as like- um, There was Friends Reunited. Yeah, there were certain <laughs> things, but it, it, that, that's what I mean. And, you know, and, there, will be an, there, and there will be more technologies. Yeah. Like if Bitcoin succeeds, Bitcoin would succeed by reaching a stage where you're like, oh my gosh, can you guys remember like when we didn't like have and use Bitcoin? Like how did we- how did we do this? Just like we're like that with the internet now. Well, that might be my kids. My yeah. kids might say to their kids, you know, there was a time there was no Bitcoin. Yeah. They'd be like, what? Yeah. Or, what did you use? Well, we had these bits of paper. Mm, I'll tell you another technology that's like that. Yeah. Sat nav. Right? Yes. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> sat nav. Before sat nav, yeah. I would have had a piece of paper <laughs> printed out with the map and the directors uh-huh. and I'd have been driving. Yeah. yeah I, that's what you used to do. Yeah. You're, so you, you're just so used to the idea that, oh, what, where's the, what's the address? Boom, gone. Right, you know, even Google Google Maps, you don't even need the the outside sat nav yeah. now. And I think, like, geez, how did people used to? You don't even have the plan. To, no, because you, I, I can go right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, like, coming down today with mm-hmm. my plan today. I'm like, I can just go and Google. Oh, that's how long it's gonna take. That's yep. when I need to leave. But also, like, do you remember before mobile phones? Like when you used to go and meet somebody, you had to turn up on time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you go to the cinema, it's like, right, I'll meet you outside Debenhams at one o'clock. And like, if they weren't there at 10 past, like, what the fuck's going yeah, on? What's going on? Yeah. yeah. Whereas now you just text, people are late more. Yeah, I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I'm going to be 20 yeah. minutes It makes late. people more flaky, no question. Yeah. And, and you're, be- you're always, you're always going to get certain negative, you're always going to get certain negatives yeah. with any kind of technology. There's no question because it does alter, it does alter human behavior, mm-hmm. right? Nobody used to take photos of their food. <laughs> that's a new thing taking photos of yourself who used to take photos of themselves that's a new th- selfie yeah, yeah that's a new thing and you only got one go yeah that's and then you went new- to boots and you collected them people didn't take photos of themselves that no, was the weirdest didn't. thing like do, do wow. not, <laughs> i saw someone i always do it now i saw someone do it on instagram where his girlfriend went to take a photo of the thing and he just got his fork and did that with her food <laughs> mashed it all up <laughs> if you see anyone do that you should do that man that's so. funny well, listen, dude, we've done two hours. This is great. I could talk, I could talk to you for fucking five, six hours. Um, <laughs> love it, man. Great to get to know you. Love everything you're doing. Thank you, Appreciate you. I've definitely learned from you. I've definitely, I've, I've definitely sometimes rethought things and had to change my views. And look, I appreciate everything you're doing, man. And I wish Thank you, you so all much, the man. best and and uh, continue crushing it, man. I expect next time we, we meet, I might have another 10,000 followers and you'll have another million or something. <laughs> but just keep crushing it, bro. I appreciate it, bro. Much love. This show was produced by Tom Patterson and Danny Knowles. Our website is defiance.news, where you can download previous shows and watch our films. Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, the best and safest exchange for buying Bitcoin, available at kraken.com, or you can download the app from the Apple and Google app stores. If you'd like to support our work, please share the show out with your friends and family on social media, subscribe to Defiance on your favorite platform, and leave us a review on iTunes. My name is Peter McCormack. You can check out my other show, What Bitcoin Did, at whatbitcoindid.com. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Defiance.